West West y'all. Hey, I'm good. Well, yeah, Manuna. John, thanks for coming here, brother. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time because, you know, we've been busy this whole year. Yeah. You know, personal stuff happening to both of us, in fact, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And work and other other things, but, uh, you know, this has been a long time coming. This talk because mm. I always wanted you to come on. And <laughs> ever, since, ever since we uh, hooked up with your fight last year. Oh, yeah. Um, what was that again? The yeah, it was um, a that uh, was a um, charity fundraiser for um, uh, fight for life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's um, it's for mental health. Eh? Yeah, oh, I can't remember. It was Mike King's. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was one of the organizers. Organizers, yeah. yeah. And he sort of did the MC, mm. but um. Isn't that like the thing where corporates get into one? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's heavy uh, hitters. It's called heavy, 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 heavy ITU. ITU yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. That's Too it. many bangs to the heavy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that was good. That was a good um, initiative, eh? That because uh, when I first heard about it, it was one of those was back in the day. Paul used to work oh, there yeah, yeah, at yeah, your yeah. work, um, yeah. and uh, he he went on it, and that was the first time I heard about it, mm. and. Um, I think he did the interview on their Facebook page, and he came on this podcast too to talk about it. So oh, wow. that was a, that was um, a year before. Because uh, did you go that first year? Because how many times have you been on? I've done it twice now. Twice. Mm. Um, and, th- and were you there when Paul did it for the first time? Nah, that was after. Oh yeah. And then uh, Paul came up and um, he told me about it, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm keen for it as well, man. <laughs> so you actually get to fight IT guys. Mm. Because I'm in IT and I thought, oh, it must be just for IT guys. But uh, it doesn't doesn't matter where, what walk of life you come from. Yeah. Everybody, it's all about, you know, trying to um, raise awareness for mental health. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I just gave it a jam because, I mean, I'm 40 now. So I'm getting old. <laughs> but I still, you know, act like a like a 21, 28-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it was really good. It was really good. And... Yeah, like we said, the initiative too, mental health and that. But it's also cool because these are people that enter have never fought before, eh? or a lot yeah, of them well, for the first most, time. Yeah, eh? most of them. Some, mm. some of them have fought a, a few times, but yeah, no, it's it's all good fun. Um, you know, you get the um, the rush of getting in there, but at the end of the day, you know, you come away uh, knowing that you've accomplished something, mm. and that's um, raising awareness, raising some funds, and uh, for a good cause. Mm. Getting bulky than the mucko. <laughs> so are we allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. It is, it is tough, eh? And you, you probably realize how tough it is, especially when you become a professional, eh? Because the way I see it, like, with, with boxing, to me, boxing is, like, one of the hardest sports out of every sport you can do. Yeah. Boxing is, like, the hardest because cause of the two extremes when you win or lose. Yeah. Because when you win, it's, it's it, I think the feeling when you win 
is like more than anything winning Super Rugby or mm-hmm. NRL Grand Final. Because you're an individual in yeah. yeah. But when you lose, it's even worse. That's it's the other worse. side yeah, of the. Yeah. Hey. Well, sometimes it, it all depends on the person, really. You know, mm. on how well they carry themselves and how well they, you know, compose. Um, I mean, when I won my first fight, you know, I thought I was going to go around prancing and you know, <laughs> showing off. Hey, I just wanted to go home, hug my wife, and go to sleep. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, when I lost my first fight, uh, my first Wim to Warrior fight, um. I thought it was um, something that I didn't accomplish, so there's an unfinished business there. But you know, again, you know, you got to weigh up the the cost whether your body can handle it, as, mm. as well as um, you know your mental capacity. Mm. So um, yeah, the, the heart's there, but the body's just saying no. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of youngins coming up here, eh, yeah. especially um, you know, city kickboxing. You know, they're breeding a lot of good fighters eh, and so. You, when you jump in there and try and jump into their sparring Mondays, you know, you just get in there and there's just like pit bulls are ready to take you out. Eh? Mm. And uh, yeah, that's to me, it's, you know, them trying to come up and, you know, prove themselves what they're capable of. And again, I used to do that, you know, it's just trying to better yourself, I suppose. Mm. Mm. You know, the the journey through heavy hitters, like, how, how was that for you as a challenge? Like, when, when you first get in, I guess it's all about, you know, it's good for a good cause and good for you yourself too, for yeah. for health and um, getting in shape and all that. But it must have been hard still. Yeah, go I mean, it. it was, I mean, I lost all the, I put all the weight back on now, but, you know, when, when I was focused and, you know, committed, you know, you just had this uh, sort of euphoric feeling that, you know, you're working towards a goal and you just, it becomes repetitive and, you know, Eugene's behind you and all his uh, team uh, and and you try and focus and you look at the other good professionals that you fight against or well, that, that are fighting next to you and in their own sort of world and you're going oh man I wish I was like that and so you turn around to the bank you start hitting and starting adjusting your punchings and stuff but um, yeah um, I think it just comes down to um, the individual again you know how you take it um, again there was a lot of funding uh, in terms of you know the costs so you know you really got to commit to it and like it's not cheap but at the same time you want to try and take away something you know from mentally and and, and physically so uh, yeah i mean it's not about winning or losing really it's about you know self-discipline yeah because we, you know when it came to to watch your fight last year during lockdown it was in between lockdown so yeah so it was kind of like level something and mm. people had to distance, but you're allowed to have those social events yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So it's good that um, they still try to put it on because mm-hmm. they were held off me. Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty good. Um, again, it was, you know, just after lockdown came out and it was all the spacing sort of thing. And then we caught up and then it was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. And then, oh, yeah, I want to do a piece. And I was like, oh, yeah, come. So I don't know, it'd be interesting to see that. <laughs> I still got the footage too. Oh, you still? <laughs> but uh, it's in the it's, it's in the computer. Still in the computer. But I gotta do something about that. But yeah, man. Are you gonna are you gonna continue with the IT heavy hitters? Um, are they gonna do it? Are they doing it again this year? I haven't heard anything through the um, social media, but um, yeah, I might give it a go again. You know, I still got a bit of oomph for me, mm. but uh, yeah. Again, you know, just got to weigh up the costs and, you know, the, it is a big commitment. Uh, waking up at, you know, five in the morning, spending an hour drilling 
and then having to do your own training and then go to do some extra classes to try and, you know, better yourself. I mean, again, it's all about discipline, really. You know, it doesn't matter what you do and how good you are, but if you're not focused, then, yeah, you can always fall off the bad <laughs> <laughs> oh, So, yeah. So what's all the training you're doing now? Are you at cookbox uh, doing? <laughs> I'm just, oh, yeah. I've just been doing my microgreens, so... Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's quite hard to focus on two things. You know, there's a lot of people that can can do it, but for me, I, when I focus on something, I, I focus on one thing and try and achieve that objective before, you know, I move on. But um, microgreens have captured my my focus for the last 18 months, and it wasn't until last, the beginning of the year I've started to uh, try and develop the um, the business into something a little bit more lucrative. And we're starting to see some results, but you know, still long way away. But um, I think there's a there's a there's a unique niche market there for microgreens in New Zealand. Because mm. you've you've always been that type of guy to f- be focused on something and go hundred until it's probably hit the ceiling, and then you move on to the next thing. Oh, yeah. So. But with the, this microgreens thing is interesting because when I heard you were doing that, I didn't know what was. I don't know what it was, but I recognize the the products, and I, what it reminded me of is those fancy restaurants. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. do those little those 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 degustations and yeah, condiments they call it. Condiments, Organish. is it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I actually brought some in there. So I mean, I've got cilantro here. Oh yeah. Uh, these are a number of varieties that we grow in our grow room, and there's sunflower, mustard. Oh shucks. Yeah, I forgot to grab the um, label for this one. This one's called Mizuno, and this is Radish. So these are our popular brands that we we sell at the farmer's market. Mm. So we're at um, Oratia every second week, um, just here at Collective Shed. Yeah, yeah. And we sell at Parnell Farmer's Market, and we just started at um, Gastro. Uh, farmers market out Parnellways, yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting to try and uh, you know see the, what those fancy um, chefs up there. Or yeah, well, I mean <laughs> that's the whole target is just try and network through uh-huh. you know where all the market is and try and make some connections. So you know this one mustard. Yep. Is that because when you eat it, it tastes like mustard? Or yeah, it has a spice to it. Oh, yeah. yeah, and um, that's what mustard's made of. Mm. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's so mustard. Yeah, source made of this. Yeah, so oh. the parent plant is a mustard, kind of like radish. It'll grow into a little root. That sunflower will grow into a sunflower. Yeah, and cilantro came from coriander. Yeah, mizuna is a leafy, grassy sort of salad. Mm. So you can combine all that, and you get a, a good mix sort of thing. Uh-huh. So we also have a multi-mix, which a lot of the customers like to mix their microgreens because they just sprinkle it on everything, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, How'd you get into this? Or how did you even know about microgreens in the first place? Um, well, <laughs> drinking, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> making some ideas up. And, uh, you know, I was just in the garage with some usos, you know, just talking about trying to get into the cannabis scene. Oh, and, yeah, You yeah. know, when it was a big topic like, it oh, was yeah. a big topic hey because i remember before the referendum they were, uh, you know what i watched um country calendar oh yeah and it was a, there was a it was a story about how these farms all over new zealand were getting ready for the legalization and they were getting ready 
getting their farms ready for hemp and all that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And cannabis too, like stuff like that for, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever they're going to do. And then it was a big thing around around mm. around New Zealand. They're all getting ready. And of course, the referendum happened and it didn't work. didn't 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 happen. Okay, yeah. So I was always wondering, man, it's uh, you know, people know what to make what yeah. to make cannabis out of. You know, mm. I mean, when that topic arose, it was it kind of put an emphasis that you know New Zealand does grow hemp mm. as a as a productive sort of business, and you know, from hemp, you know, you've got cannabis which is another sort of side of the business, but um, two different products. Mm. But yeah, um, when they started growing cannabis, we were in the garage going, oh man, this is going to be a good sort of lucrative business. How we, how can we get into it sort of thing? And so a friend of mine, you know, brought a structure and started doodling on a piece of paper and who we needed to talk to. And, you know, we got the application and everything. And yeah. <laughs> It was like, you know, we tallied up all the kupe that we were going to spend on it. And it was like, oh, we need about 20000 here. And <laughs> so it started slowly building. I was like, so we're going to get our money from. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, so that idea kind of went, came and went. And, did did um, they go with the referendum, did it? Yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. You know, we still had it at the back of our head. And like, we had the application. We were going to get vetted and everything. And, I mean, the license to grow was just, I think it's $14,000 per annum. And that's just a license to grow. And I think that's just um, a certain sort of yield. So, um, yeah, so we kind of abandoned that. And um, along came uh, one of my good mates that I've grown up with. And he's in the um, the food business. <clears throat> so he distributes a lot of um, produce all across his business. And um, he came up to me and goes, sorry, how good are you at growing stuff? I was like, oh, I'm pretty good. And, you know, because I spent a lot of time in Waiuku, uh, Tamiam Gardens uh, out in Waiuku. My uncle owns that farm. And uh, he's been growing for like 40-odd years. I used to visit, uh, stay with him for a couple of weeks during holidays. So I kind of picked up a thing or two there. And um, so I said to him, yeah, I can give it a go. So, yeah, I want you to grow microgreens. Had these buckets of, I don't know, about $200 worth of seeds he goes, I want you to research this and, you know, go find out how to grow these. And it doesn't take long. It takes about, you know, five to six days. And I was like, five to six days? Well, what, what do you do after that? He goes, oh, then you eat them. Mm. And I was like, what, what are they made of? He goes, oh, they're just seeds. I was like, that's a broccoli. That's a sunflower. That's a radish. That's a mustard. And I was like, oh, okay. So these will actually grow into bigger, yeah, yeah. you know. What we know, what we buy at the yeah, supermarket. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, he said, oh, okay. Um, grow these and uh, see what it see how you can see how you go so i took them home and um you know read the instructions and i put them on the windowsill and they started growing and i was like oh this is interesting so you know cut a bit off and then you sprinkle it on your eggs in the morning and then you sprinkle it on your salmon and on your steak and then i was like oh this is and took pictures and what one was that was it one of these uh it was broccoli and uh sunflower uh, oh. the sunflower yeah but what makes it s- how do you get it sm- so small I mean, it's it's a process, so there's a cycle, so from seed to sprouts, and then to uh, microgreens, and then baby shoots, and then parent leaves, so uh, during that process, the two leaves, the cotyledons, um, they grow up, and they start to draw the nutrients from the nucleus or the seed, and at that point in time, if you harvest them, all the nutrients are now available in the stem and the two uh, cotyledon leaves. And once that 
that starts to bloom the second stage is the parent leaves. Once you get the parent leaves, it starts to get bitter because um, plants starting to photosynthesize, which you know the photos, you know, girls and boys read that up, look it up in, the, <laughs> in YouTube photosynthesis. <laughs> anyway, um, so once once it gets past that, it, it becomes bitter. So you want to try and cut it just before uh, the two parent leaves uh, bloom. And you find that uh, the nutrients uh, are really high in that in this period of the the the, the, um, the microgreen, mm. and this is what a lot of people take advantage of. And nutrition value um, and vitamins are abundant. Uh, they say that uh, I'm not a doctor, but I've read a lot of um, paperwork and online uh, websites stating that you know this can you know microgreens have up to 40 times more nutrients than its parent plant. Um, and I mean, you know, a lot of uh, doctors have confirmed that and stuff, but like, you know, you don't believe everything on on, micro, uh, on the internet. But um, my, my belief is that it is true. And I believe that, you know, there's a lot of health benefits because a lot of study has gone into it. And the Americans and Canadians are now, you know, starting to, bring this out you know they're about I don't know 10 years in, ahead of us in technology and how they're cultivating it um, where this came to New Zealand around about you know 2005 2003 or probably even a little bit earlier but it was always focused on garnishing you know restaurant plates and um, condiments but uh, there wasn't any focus for me there wasn't any focus on the salad aspect and the nutrient value so for me um that's part of how we've developed um, OFE microgreens is to try and push the uh, superfood aspect of microgreens and in, in our product to say, hey, look, this doesn't have to be something that makes your plate looks good. Uh, makes, makes it can look be good. a side dish. It can be a side dish. You know, it can go into your salads. Um, it can be the main course with a bit of sprinkled, you know, dried meat, you know, flipped um, the, the, um, the recipe around, you know salad as the main and your uh, garnish would be the you know sprinkles of meat sort of you know grated sort of thing i mean some some madass ideas and there's just a whole heap of um ideas that you can you know res recipes that you can put this in like you can even put it in smoothies uh sandwiches you know salads again stir fry um soups uh, although, you know, they do say once you cook it, it starts to deteriorate the nutrient value. But again... Is it because they're small? Yeah, because oh, yeah. you're starting to, you know, uh, you know shrink and everything. Because, yeah. you know, when you cook... It's like when you cook broccoli, eh? I mean, yeah. Like you can't cook, overcook it, otherwise all the nutrients will... Yeah, yeah. So it's a similar thing. I mean... But because they're smaller, yeah. it's easier to... To break down to and, break you know, oh, right. use that uh, value... But, but you could just eat it like this, eh? Like yeah. Mix it um, up and a lot of, put oil on it. Yeah, a lot <clears> of uh, Alfie's always just eat it straight. Um, I've seen a, a, a few people, you know, walk around the markets just munching on the sunflowers as they walk along as if it was like hot chips sort of thing. And that's quite, you know, a new thing to see in New Zealand. And, you know, it'd be nice to have everyone doing it, you know, just taking a healthy sort of snack rather than the chips and stuff. I mean... It's all about being healthy, but trying to get it out to everyone because not everyone knows about microgreens. So, I mean, that's another aspect of our business is to try and educate and let everyone know, 
you know, especially uh, Pacifica and um, Tanga Te Whenua sort of thing, you know, they, they don't know how much value you can get out of just a small handful of, you know, microgreens. You don't have to go overboard and eating so much, but, you know, just a handful can give you your daily requirements. Mm. And I think that's pretty good for a lot of people. I mean, I mean if you're not into um, eating microgreens, it's just like cough medicine. Mm. Shove it down your throat with uh, your nose blocked and then you've got your nutrients. Have a, have a beer or water <laughs> after it. <laughs> that is cool. That's mm. so cool. And it's so cool that you, you've gone into this market where, where it's brand, seems like it's brand new in New Zealand. You know, it's just um, coming in. Yeah, there's just there, coming up. Yeah. There's a lot of um, groups on, on social media that um, that I've joined. Uh, so it's been around for quite a while. Um, but in the ter- in terms of um, market-wise, you know, selling it out in the um, open, there's not a lot of um, businesses that are actually emphasizing on it. Uh, it is quite hard to grow it in some stages because a lot of us, you know, have a lot of um, dealings with mold. I mean, it's probably the greatest sort of issue that we deal with. Um, in some cases, you know, we could lose a whole uh, line of production just because um, something went wrong. I mean, yeah. with OFE Microgreens, we go through a process uh, with a company called New Zealand Gap, yeah. and they. Um, they pretty much oversee our processes of, you know, how clean and how well we look after their, um, our facilities. And so we're, we're one of the first that have got that qualification in an urban area sort of thing. A lot of these are all horticulture out farmways. So we've chosen and opted for New Zealand Gap, which is more recognised by the restaurants and a lot of the big supermarkets. So do you pay to join that yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a couple of couple of thousand actually. Oh, gee. Yeah, yeah just um just to get them to, or just to register ourselves, and then they come around, and then they um, audit us. All right, you know, it's just to check your a, yeah. stock and all that. Mm. How are you growing? Yeah, it's kind of like a you know that A B C D. Oh that yeah. You, get in. you know that's from the I think from the council, but this is a an independent company that does that for us, and it's quite reputable within the agriculture and horticulture. And, uh, and yeah, you got that stamp up? So, yeah. So that um, stamp. Is that the back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it uh, stands for good agricultural practice. Mm. So a lot of um, a lot of big food supermarkets recognize that um, that certification. Uh, it's a little bit more better than uh, NS1, the National Health Certificate, that a lot of you know restaurants uh, apply for and get. Mm. Um <clears throat> So since you got this gap um, certification, so like, how do you get into the supermarkets? And or is it a market you don't want to get into? You want oh, to I definitely want to get into, but we want to be careful. and want to be slow because um, there are a lot of big companies that want it, but the problem uh, some of these uh, smaller businesses face is the amount of um, uh, product they want. I mean, like if I was to supply. New World or Pack and Save or any of those big supermarkets. You need <laughs> you need a lot of land, yeah. and um, you can start off with one, you know, shopping um, supermarket. But as it gradually grows, you want to be able to cater for the rest of them, and you know, you want to try and the whole idea for OFE is to try and set up shop as close as possible to all these vendors, because we want to try and get the microgreens from our operations. 
straight into the markets without, you know, dwindling or putting it in the fridge. Because, I mean, the life product, uh, shelf life of these things don't last very long. All right. So yeah. we want to maximize the freshness. So like so these. how long will it last once you package um, one up fresh? If, if you, if you, for us, um, we, we try and stay within the, the, um, the week, uh, one week mark. I mean, if, if you're not eating microgreens within that week, within a certain grammage that we've uh, calculated it to, you're not eating enough, kind of, kind of thing. So um, we've um, portioned it out just enough for like two or three people to eat from two to three days or a family having dinner. So one punnet can, you know, supply all everyone nutrients or one person can have a sprinkle of microgreens um, for lunch. Like, so another example, I've got a membership at work. So I've, you know, told everyone at work, I said, look, you want some microgreens for lunch? A couple of bucks, you know, and I'll deliver them on a Monday or Tuesday and I'll put them in the free fridge with your name on it and you just grab it and then add it to your lunch sandwiches. Nine times out of 10, all these people bring over leftovers from, from home dinner. And so it's ideal to be thrown onto their lunch so they know that they're getting their daily requirements again, you know. So that's another good health benefit that, you know, taking microgreens and putting it into a workplace where a lot of work uh, health benefits are achieved through my membership with work. Mm. So, um, Yeah, that's a good niche because yeah. I think exactly what you described was like if you have a meal and you got this handy, yeah, just sprinkle some of that on because there ain't no... It, isn't a big deal, you yeah. know. Eh? I mean, and you'll get some of those yeah. nutrients in you. you know? there'll, there'll, there'll be there'll be some packages that that are, that are good for you know big commercial restaurants and cetera. So you mm. know we haven't started catering for that for sort of thing, yeah. but we definitely want to try and focus on you know our motto, which is uh, better eating, better living, sort of thing. So you know if you're eating well, then you're of course going to get good health. I mean it's. It's almost become a sort of a testimony in my life, you know. Um, just recently, Dad passed away, you know, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink. But, you know, um, his uh, diet wasn't so great, you know. It's all our Pacific Island food. Oh, just uh, probably took a toll. And, you know, again, we have to try and focus on our intake, you know, where we're all eating what we love to eat instead of eating healthy and looking after our bodies. I mean, me, for instance, I mean, I was right up at 130 kgs, but refocusing my, you know, diet, I've now, you know, slowly come down just to uh, 123. So, I mean, that there is a testament, and that's not, that's me not training, you know. I mean, you can put a lot more training and you probably can lose a little bit more, a lot faster, but that's just me saying, okay, then what I don't do, I'm not so active, but eating and portionalizing your food and watching your calories again is something that, you, that everyone probably needs to focus on and we don't put enough emphasis on that, unfortunately. Mm. And it's it's sad to see, like, you know, everybody is, um, you know, going because of their heart. I mean, yeah, it's just really sad sort of thing and you just want to try and help everybody, but you know you can't. So you just try and... Um, you know, try and focus on something that you know that, that can try and make a little bit of a difference. Mm. And um, again, you know, this is where we are at and trying to mould this into everyone. And, you know, especially the Pacific Island families, you know, they, they don't know anything about, you know, microgreens. Even my mum and dad, when they were 
when when dad was around he didn't even know what microgreens was but when i gave it to him you know it was you know it was something interesting he could eat like it wasn't overpowering his uh pisupo or anything but it was something that was contributing towards a good health sort of thing you know um but yeah so uh, we just want to try and um get that brand name out and make it become a, a stable food you know an everyday name and try and emphasize on using microgreens as a superfood as for everyone's um side dishes yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that's really needed like you said the mm. pacific island community is always known for eating we eat, yeah. we eat big eh? yeah and we we, we fill up our plates yeah, yeah, we yeah. fill up our plates and like a mountain yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're right man because you know it's, it's it's a problem with obesity you know and heart yeah. attacks and diabetes and that even especially about people well yeah and uh, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that, like education, even even how cheap the the junk food is. Yeah, you know, if if you know if you can't afford, because mm. eating healthy food is expensive. Yeah, <laughs> it's so expensive, you know. And but I mean, it comes down to um, how much do you put your value, or how much do you value your life, sort of thing. You know, mm. you know, that's a question that sometimes that we kind of ne- neglect. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all here to try and you know, better ourselves, sort of thing. And it all starts with, you know, like Michael Jackson said, looking in the mirror, sort of thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool, man. And it's cool that you are a Pacific Islander guy. You sign one. Yeah. You, you don't look like the type to, yeah, I'm looking at you now. You don't look like the type to come in here and say, oh, I've got this uh, cilantro mustard and uh, Michael Green's business, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you're the face that, you know, we all can relate to. And if you're, this is what you're bringing, something yeah. positive to, to a healthy lifestyle, eating healthy with, with with your product, you know it's and 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 your your packaging too, your you know your yeah. your logo, and and w- what you're presenting with yeah with so your um the the logo has a lot of Pacific incident, uh, essence in it. Um, how yeah. I feel um, that was um, designed by. A, Afakasi Samoan, uh, one of my work colleagues, who uh, spent a couple of weeks, you know, drafting and getting ideas, and I he drew ideas when we were we were having a conversation, and uh, he kind of thought, oh, okay, so he wants to emphasise on Pacifica and how you can relate the um, plant to, because I mean, to this day, I still don't know um, what uh, what we can call it in the Samoan language, you know. Mm. You know, like awititi just doesn't sound right. You know, what's the Samoan word for micro? And, you know, green, meamaka sort of thing. So, I mean, you know, I've got my uncles, you know, still trying to figure it out. But um, we'll, we'll find a word for it. Something that rolls off the tongue mm. sort of thing. Well, so, um, would that be a slogan or are you talking about like a full rebranding of the... What do you mean? Like, are you talking about a slogan? To put no, no, on? I'm just talking about the word microgreens. There's oh. no Samoan word for microgreen. And would you rebrand it into that Samoan word? Probably not. Um, oh, okay. uh, that brand in itself um, has a sentimental value. You know, um, off is my last name, and mm. it's my dad's name, is my grandpa's name. Um, but I've found a way to um, emphasize it within, you know, the business of and commercializing it by uh, making it an acronym. So um, it stands for um, my last name, but of course, it also stands for Optimal Fresh Edibles. 
I mean, um, sounds good. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're actually um, working on another um, uh, product, you know, an innovative idea that we use all our byproduct from from microgreens. So I mean, I don't want to talk too much about it, but you know, watch the space. Um, we'll, we'll get it out there, and it'll be something different that you know a lot of um, people will get to experience, and hopefully, it takes off. But yeah. How long have you been doing this now? Uh, well, I've been researching for the last three years. Wow. And we registered the business uh, last year. And so we're going up, we're coming up to our second year. Uh, we registered in February last year. So during that three years researching, was it the progression how in the first year, every time you learn something new about it, it just gave you more? energy to say oh, yeah. yeah it's gonna it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna happen eh? yeah i mean uh at first i mean like if i i you know tested myself and thought you know sat there with the hennessy in my hand and going, do i really want to be serious about this or am i just going to be you know one of those guys that muck around get it done and then just you know half-ass it so um i said to myself i wanted to do it properly so you know there was a time where um i had a boat and, um, you know, I gave the boat up, you know, and all my toys just sold them all and just used the funds to start the business up. And then they also went in with me halfway and then we started putting our assets together to join, um, develop this business. So we sat down, uh, I did all the research, he did all the marketing, you know, research aspects of it and what I needed, where I need to be, how long we were going to take to do this, you know, just focus on, on these onwards and upward goals. And um, so, you know, inch by inch, we made it forward. You know, we were getting all these um, um, qualifications. Um, so for me, it took um, me to go back to school, but I didn't want to go back to a classroom sort of thing. So I tried to look for some sort of part-time um, educational sort of thing just to get myself around, you know, the fundamentals of growing because I knew that, you know, just put a seed in the ground and then it grows. You know, just give it some water, nutrients, blah, 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 MBK. So that would you know, yeah. have been a horticulture course yeah. kind of thing? So, I mean, I found um, a level three botanical nursery certificate on, on open politic. So it was a, a three-month course uh, for a level three and then a, another three months for a level four. So I did those courses and achieved those and I felt that I was able to you know, carry what I need to know um, to start the business off because, I mean, you only need the fundamentals of potting and nutrient values that you need to put into the um, the, the soil and how you want to lay the soil and, you know, the pH levels of your water and away you go. So, I mean, that was that first part. And then um, we tried it again. So we bought all the, the trays from, from China and all the lights um, and then we set up our operation uh, from a portacom. So we had to insulate it, divide it up into a grow room and a process room. And then the old man, you know, God bless his soul, came up with the idea he wanted, um, he could help me build a, a washroom. Because he made that, well, where are you going to wash your trays? And I went, oh, true. Full life for the paper there. And, you know, so he started his uh, engineering and put his engineering skills to work and, you know, made a frame for the front of the business. And uh, before you knew it, we had a grow room, uh, a process room and a washroom that, you know, was really helpful because, you know, when the 
when the trees come out, you need to sanitize the things before they go back into the grow room. So, you know, sanitary is, is a primary thing. We try and minimize, you know, people going into the operation so it doesn't, you know, catch anymore because mold's everywhere, you know, mold spores. Um, you're breathing it sort of thing. And so once that thing settles, it just explodes and it starts to multiply. So you don't want to do it, uh, you don't want to catch it sitting in, in your, your grow room. So in the grow room, there's a lot of fans just rotating the air, just blowing in all directions. So it's just mixing, you know, the air waves just to keep it, keep the airways moving inside the grow room. And then you got an uh, air inlet and an outlet, so it sucks out all the bad air, all the used up warm air, and it blows in a few, you know, some good, you know, clean air, filtered air with our, our filtering system. Uh, we've got a air condition, a air conditioner that regulates and it's monitored, so you know we can monitor the temperatures, and um, then we added a, um, a humidity gauge which. You know, senses the how much water and moisture is in the in the air, which is a real vital component because if there's too much water, then you know spores can can explode a lot quicker. And if there's not enough water, you know, and it comes too dry for the for the, the microgreens. Mm -hmm. So we got a sweet spot of 65, which is a le good level that we've you know, it just took a lot of tweaking. And so we found that you know around that area, 65% was where we want to be. To try and keep the the water levels for our microgreens, you know, it, it varies with a lot of um, the growers out there. Mm. And then with all the different variables, like because you have the protocol, obviously you got the dimensions to it. Yeah. And so there's a lot of testing at the beginning, now mm -hmm. to make sure the environment's right. Yeah. And, you know, and the the volume of, of the area inside the protocol. Yeah, a lot is, of wastage. Yeah, yeah so, I, I can imagine. Um, and man, I mean, it took a while to get it mm, right, but. Yeah. Um, uh, just you just do a lot of reading and you know sharing online social media was a good component that gave us a lot of information you know we could uh dig through a lot of the groups that you know were finding it really hard for themselves most of it was american and mm. canadian guys and then i popped this new um a new zealand group uh new zealand microgreens uh, so that's run by another good friend tony and show so they're another microgreen grower that we've teamed up with Right, and how many out there in New Zealand? It's quite a few of them. Yeah. Um, I'd say there's probably about I don't know a good thirty that are serious about it, and then the rest are just uh, hobbyists. Um, that's just me throwing a number out there, um, but it is starting to grow. Um, that's just Auckland. All right, you know, um, there's a lot of across across New Zealand. There's heaps of us um, just trying to emphasize. Um, you know, there's 23 seasons, which is a uh, big commercial company, um, uh, Grow My Microgreens, which is outside uh, out North Shore. You know, there's another reputable company there that um, runs a lot of microgreens that uh, caters for Farmer Joe, I think, and a few other restaurants out there. Um, so yeah, and I mean, we try and collaborate with each other. But in the back of our heads, like I mean, I'm just gonna come out and say, you know, everybody wants to be the top dog in in microgreens, and I think that's, I mean, everyone just strives to be, you know, better than the other. But at the end of the day, for me personally, um, you know, it's an emphasis of getting Dad's name on the shelf of a supermarket, and um, you know, just trying to be aware 
making, you know, uh, a health conscious decision uh, with microgreens and, you know, just introducing it to a lot of our um, Pacific. I mean, for me, it might sound that I'm contradicting this, but, you know, when I started off at Avondale Markets, you know, nobody wanted to, you know, grow the thing or, you know, it was just a lot of questions. Uh, but, um, you know, so I stopped uh, the Avondale Markets and I think maybe it's not ready for for this this side of, of, of Auckland. So, you know, that's why I'm in. But now gives a lot of options. I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of uh, businesses around yeah. there that, 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 you know, and a lot of um, people that know about microgreens. So it just makes more sense for me to, you know, start off the business in an area where I can grow comfortably mm. and then definitely come back to uh, the hood and, you know, start pushing it out a little bit more when I'm a little bit more confident. I mean, again, we're still a young business. We've we've made mistakes like everyone else, but uh, we learn from it and, you know, and just try and push forward. Mm. No, yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense. You, you got to go with the, with the marketers, mm. huh? and, you know, our, like we said for our people. Like we don't want to hear microgreens. We want to hear big greens, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but um, I, mean, yeah, I mean, for me, when you... You, you compare it to like luau or mm. you know just put coconut cream in your sunflowers and balu it just tastes like luau. have you tried it have you tried yeah. it yeah so you can come up with a new uh, new thing in. yeah I mean there's a lot of ideas and innovative ideas that haven't been spawned yet on a lot of social media networks I mean a lot of people make you know all these nice fancy um, you know dinner plates and stuff you know mm. and you get the garnish on top but like for me, you know, looking at microgreens, is, there's a whole heap of new ideas just sitting there waiting to be unearthed and, and within the product itself. You know, you got heaps of colors, um, heaps of different flavors that, you know, you can experiment with and, mm. you know, just a lot of different um, products that are waiting to, to come out of this. And a lot of them are going to be, you know, health beneficial. And, um, you know, and I think that's where a lot of our... Um, focus it should be going towards is eating you know a lot more healthier rather than uh a year bar no that's um i think yeah you you, you got to go where the customers are and yeah like i said before like with the the fancy restaurant th- this is exactly what they do eh? mm. i remember um because my my daughter-in-law she just graduated she, she graduated uh, university and we went to we had a we had a, we, we, we had a lunch for her and we had we had this restaurant, and um, I think it was it was Mekong Baby and and Ponsonby. but that way I had this dish where the garnish was I think it was ginger tasted like ginger, but it, it was a different color, but it was a hairline. It was like a that's how thin it was. It was just like a hair over the thing. Be sure it wasn't the the chef's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but yeah. that kind of presentation, no, yeah, like those chefs, man, they they love this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's there's over fifteen different types of microgreens available in New Zealand, in in America, in Canada, they've got over thirty. You know, they've got different varieties, um, different specimens of types of broccoli. You know, we've oh, how got many two, here? Did you say about fifteen, twenty, oh. give or take? But over there, like double. There's heaps. You know, like people are experimenting all over the place with, you know, wild berries sort of thing. You know, they, um, wild um, shrubs and stuff like that. You know, mm. 
and they're coming up with these ideas but like you know <laughs> it's like every mushroom is edible and every uh weed is edible until mm. you know something happens but um <laughs> yeah this is just you know herbal sort of how would you get into the the restaurant market because like we were talking about how these chefs they like these kind of stuff it gives them more flexibility with their presentation yeah, yeah. their styles um like we talk about like um when i think of a, a Samoan chef top chef in new zealand yeah um michael meredith you know have they known i have heard of him yeah he's yeah. like he's like one of the top chefs yeah, 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 yeah. so he's got a restaurant and down in britain oh, okay yeah might have to go for a visit might have to if you listen to michael just come in uh <laughs> get, get yeah. some michael greens John over here, but uh, yeah, but like I don't know if it's a thing where you can ask the chef about four ideas of how he wants the product to grow and how he wants it to look. That could be is that a thing? Um, well, again, it's us growing our networks, you know, mm. for us, uh, getting our name out there and making ourselves known. Um, the other uh, aspect is, um, it's not what you know, it's who you know, you know, within that industry. Like, a lot of your friends would know a, a, a reputable chef and he's like, can you take my goods to him and, you know, hook it up and see what he thinks? You know, nine times out of ten, they might come back and say, hey, you know, you start off a chat and say, oh, you're looking for microgreens, um, I can grow for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> reputable. And then you hand them your certificates and everything. So, oh, yeah, I'll come and check it out. So you just give them, you know, heaps of um, freebies. And then eventually, you know, they either take it or they, you know, make it a full stop and say, oh, I've already got someone else sort of thing. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. It's just trying to get in there. A lot of those chefs were approached by someone that was a grower at one shape or form or they met them at a um, farmer's market or yeah. they're they're yeah. already on, on the shelves sort of thing. Mm. But um, in saying that, again, not a lot of microgreens are coming through the uh, commercial side, the supermarkets. Like for me personally, it starts off and takes off for a little bit and then it stops. Mm. You know, um, there's a lot of companies out there that I've seen, you know, come out, make it big, emphasize on marketing and then disappear. So again, I don't know why, but um, we're, we're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to go through all those problems and try and weed them out. Mm. I think, yeah, you going to Parnell is a good start, especially... When you talk when you talk about farmers market, you mm. see all those chef uh, stuff on the uh, on Netflix. How they go, those cooking shows when they go in the any farmers market where yeah, they, they are, just they grab, all their grab the and stuff, yeah, yeah, they grab all their shopping and stuff. Mm. So you might be that guy that's in those markets and all the chefs yeah. are looking for their stuff. I mean, oh. a lot of um, again, a lot of networking happens in that mm. uh, in the in the markets. I mean, you're getting a lot of fresh produce. You're collaborating with other businesses that might need um. Uh, your your goods. I mean, there's a pizza company that that's at Parnell as well that we've been talking, and um, yeah, he wants me to grow basil, and I was oh yeah, oh yeah. And so you can pretty much basil, grow any herb. Yeah, pretty much anything. You know, um, but what would a micro green basil look like? Just a smaller version. Just a smaller version of a basil. You know, yeah. um, as long as it has the two leaves and it has the smell and aroma. You know, it's pretty much the nutrient value of it. I mean, they'll use it for sprinkling it you know, on on um, pizzas. When, it, when they come out of the oven, you just throw it on and that aroma starts to build up when it starts to heat the microgreen. And, and I have seen it. It's like you just throw microgreens or coriander on and it's like, ah, oh, it smells good, eh? The herbs <laughs> are actually, yeah. you know, um, reacting. And mm. it gives it a different, you know, sort of taste. So I think that's a lot of... That's what a lot of chefs try and look for is just new innovative ideas on how to make their product 
a little bit more better. I mean, I've always gone on the joke that you can sell an $18 steak um, at a restaurant, you throw microgreens on it, it'll become like $40 or $60. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just made that effort to make it look more, mm. you know, presentable. Mm. And so I think um, the focus at the moment is garnishing and the condiment aspect of it. And it really benefits, you know, a lot of sh chefs and restaurants because, mm. I mean, everyone out there is just trying to make their dish look better than the the other, I suppose. You know, before you started this, did you have a bit of a... um? A palette on you? Were you in, did you have a bit of a palette on you? That we into cooking, into oh, yeah. into um, yeah, I, I cooked. I cooked a little bit. I mean, I started off a, a little uh, YouTube page, but I kind of stopped. Oh yeah, no, because the reason why I say it because you know when you when you when you love cooking, you get to use all the different herbs and spices yeah. and get to know what the taste is and what goes of what. And, mm. and well, I, I it might be. Up might be something that helped you with the taste for these. Because when you started yeah. growing these, what was the process with um, knowing your product or tasting your product to get it, to get it right? Or I mean, it's just trial and error. Yeah. You know I mean, like uh, when I started cooking, um, I was cooking for my family and the first thing that I learned how to cook was soup oil, you know, and for me it was like mimicking my mom's soup and I was like, what goes into a soup? And you remember carrots, celery, so you cut them all up, throw them in, and then on the odd occasion you might throw something else in and then your mom would turn around and goes, what's this doing in there? I was like, oh, thought I was trying. I was actually trying, you know, it tastes good, you know, because you put a cinnamon stick in there or something and mm -hmm. gave it a different taste. You know, you just picked it up and threw it in there. I'm like, yeah, cool, it's a cinnamon stick, let's <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you get different tastes. But, you know, um, that's how I kind of grew up uh, learning how to cook. So it became a little bit of a hobby. But you learn on how to, you know, mix spices and stuff. And again, you know, internet's full of, you know, information and that helps you. And so I do a little bit. Of, I do a lot of watching YouTube, really. I don't do a lot of reading. But, um, yeah, you, you, you I'm one of those guys, you jump into YouTube, you end up somewhere that you shouldn't be in. It's like, how did I get here? So with the tasting of your products, yeah. what was that process? I mean, what was, I mean, uh, with, uh, what, what was this one? Oh, that's my Zuna. Zuna, yeah. yeah so right. what does this taste like? So that's a bit of a spicy, you know, sort of a, uh, have you tasted um, uh, mescaline? Miscellan leaves in yeah, the salad. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like that sort of taste. It has a bitter, sweet sort of uh, aroma taste to it. Um, again, um, when you mix your microgreens, you're actually just going for the nutrients. But if you know you want to try and give it a nice taste, then you'll start uh, experimenting with you know uh, the nutty flavors, the All earthy right. flavors, uh, the spicy flavors, and the hot flavors. You know. Um, we don't have we don't grow any hot, but we grow mustard and radish, which is a bit of a spicy aroma. Yeah. And maizuno, um, cilantro has a sort of a coriander effect. So mm -hmm. if you've, you've tasted, um, yeah, Francis, has that taste. Uh, sunflower is a is it the nutty, nutty one? yeah oh, okay. nutty flavor. So it'd be good for like satay or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, you can put it in anything. I mean, um, and it just gives that that decorative uh, sort of uh, aspect and as well as the nutrients. Sure. And how much, 
and how'd you um, design? Did you design your packaging? Or um, was it just a... Well, one of the usos, uh, which is a close cousin of mine, uh, I approached him, and uh, he does a lot of artwork, and uh, and he's in that labeling sort of business. So mm. he kind of developed um, the labels, and I said, also, I don't, you know, just threw it at him and just said, make it look like it was one of those. And so he did a bit of homework and, you know, looked at all the packaging systems that, that, that were in place and kind of put everything together and said, oh, well, I've got this. Uh, do you want it colorized? Oh, you want to put a color in there? So, oh, okay, well, we can put color in there because we can want to, we want to differentiate, you know, our products and make them stand out when we're presenting them that it's not just microgreens. It's a microgreens, oh, mustard flavor. Mm. microgreens oh sunflower flavor you know and then so on you know and so we want to try and put that emphasis on there's not one two or three microgreens out there's a whole variety of them mm. have so, you looked into talking to caterers as well like people that do catering um well again um i'm not actively going out there looking for you know single companies and single we want to try and get to where we're able to network our product rather than supply so when i say network our product we want to try and get into the the big guys you know food stuff progressive and at the same time we want to be able to meet the levels that they're looking for so at the moment we're trying to find ways of trying to uh, optimize our our side by providing a business kit I mean, so where where we're at, we developed the grow room, and we want to make it into a, a a franchise, and so we want to try and put this, you know, um, shipping container or portacom as close as possible to where we want to supply, like you know, Pamuar or East Side or West Side, uh, you know, even North Shore, and. Um, try and get our microgreens as close as possible. So, I mean, that's another aspect of the business and a bigger picture of um, OFE microgreens trying to make a, a um, what you call it, um, a business niche sort of thing, you mm. know, just a business that can cater for it. And, it. and it, you know, with us starting it off, we can take the data and we can prove, you know, to the banks, we can prove to the, you know, the buyers or the franchise that we can supply and we can give contracts and we can get people to buy your microgreens. All you have to do is just grow it, watch it, pack it, and then send it mm. sort of thing. You know, it's just kind of like a, a production line, you know. Um, automating it is, is where we're at. We're trying to get into the hydroponic scene, uh, automate the water. So all you have to do is sprinkle the seeds on the trays, you know, and we're looking at different types of medium. Uh, we want to try and move away from soil because soil is, you know, the, the biggest cost for our operations. It's just nonstop. You know, we're buying sacks and sacks of um, uh, potting mix. Mm. And the sad thing is that we only use it once and it's no good. And then we have to wait six months to either compost it and then try and reuse it. Uh, nine times out of ten, it doesn't. You end up with a different, you know, with the same sort of seeds growing from the last batch in your your sunflowers sort of thing so you get a a pea growing up so you don't want that yeah yeah. i mean unless you were doing selling so what we try and do is we instead of recycling we sell it on to the next you know uh person that would want it for their gardens and stuff because oh, yeah. it'll be much better to have you know radishes growing than weed uh you know natural weed so instead of them picking out 
you know, we you, you're picking out edibles because it's quite clean. Because what we do is we clean the um, the soil before we start using. So we just give it a bit of a pH watering, and then we just let it soak and sit. Oh. And yeah, because I mean, if anything, we're trying to make it as clean as possible, but it's dirt sort of thing. Yeah. So that that just to sell it on, because obviously you can't use it. But that's interesting, man. Yeah. Like, so, so what's the alternative to your soil then? If you don't, well, there's a soil? number of um, different alternatives. I mean, at the moment there's coil, uh, coir, uh cocoa fibers. Uh, there's cocoa soil. Uh, there's um, mesh. Uh, so oh, there's you, cheaper um, alternatives. Well, no, I wouldn't say cheaper, just different types. But again, those come off of its own sort of challenges. Uh-huh. You know, um, but you, you can reuse. You can over, you can reuse them again and again. Yeah, Is that so a there's there's some um, some mats that are kind of like you know the fly, the fly. Uh, what do you call it? It's probably a bad example, but the netting on a on a fly stopper. You know those doors. Um, I'm not sure what the name is, but you can grow on a, on those mesh. You know, sprinkling your seeds on as long as it doesn't fall through the the holes. You've got the right dimensions. And you just missed it. Um, that it can grow. It just needs something to latch on and a good, you know, spray of spritz of water. Mm. And you can have them grow on on a normal mesh without soil. Mm. Um, so what's the? That seems like the best way then. Uh, it is, but it dries out a lot quicker. So you, if you're going to do that, mm. what you want to do is make sure that when you uh, start the process off, you want to make sure that your seeds are, you know, nice and moist because it won't, you know, it needs water to germinate. Right. But if you spritz it and then it dries up too fast, you know, it's mm. never going to grow properly. Right. And you'll always have this data sheet that just goes up and down, up and down, and the, the seed's never going to grow properly to its full potential. Whereas if you have that data, you can actually, you know, automate a spray system that just Automatically. Automatically. So that's the, that's the yeah. cost. That'll be the cost. Yeah. So, you know, you just have all these little eyelets just on top of your trays, pss, 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 kind of thing, every, you know, 15 minutes, sort of thing. But, um, you know, that's, again, costs money, but the idea is there. It's been proven over the States. It does work. Um, you know, there's heaps of different technologies. We've got hemp fiber, uh, is another one. Bamboo fiber is used in there. Uh, recycled paper. You paper. Know, lot, yeah, paper. Wow. People use um, a lot of um, recyclable, you know, material to try and grow their uh, microgreens on. Um, we haven't done it, but I mean, a lot of the hobbyists tend to find innovative ideas to try and, you know, recycle things. You know, especially the the organic uh, lovers. You know, they're they're really into their reproducing and recycling, and you know, just being really health conscious about what they put in their bodies. But um, yeah, now there's um, different ways. Um, there's t- different types of ways of growing. You know, you got hydroponic, aeroponics. Uh, we use uh, air, air, air uh, droplets. So it's just a spray around the roots. Um, you've got um, yeah, just I can't think of them all. But uh, you're using NFT drain lines where you can just put your trays on and the water just gushes through. And it just keeps flowing, and you've got um, microgreens that grow in soilless sort of of channels. So with, with the soil option, that's the easiest one to do. Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's what everyone does, uh, and just like accessible. Yeah, yeah and, it's, accessible. Mm, and it's a lot easier at the moment. But once you start getting into the hydroponics, I mean, the kit's a lot more expensive, but it does save money in the long run. Um, 
So we want to try and get up to that stage and, you know, just pop the trays in, let them sit, let them grow, and then pull them out, cut them, and then repeat sort of thing. Whereas our process with soil is fill the tray up, <laughs> um, stamp it down, sprinkle the seeds, water it, then cover it, and then wait kind of thing. And then, then we get the process of getting the, the microgreens starting to germinate. So how long does it take for sprinkle the seed until it's to grow into a size where you can now package it? It how depends on the variety. So for oh, us... So these are different times? All these no, no. Um, so for us, we've um, chosen the variety that meets our turnaround time. So we've gone from... Uh, we've gone and chosen microgreens that take eight days, uh, six to eight days to grow so anywhere between six to eight days we're ready to harvest um just because um we run on a weekly sort of turnaround um so markets happen every week so we want to try and have a product ready so we just try and uh, calculate per tray what we need and we can usually go with you know anywhere between six to 12 kgs of of goods and then process that um there are microgreens that can take up to two weeks to grow, and that's uh, cilantro takes about two weeks, which is the coriander version. I guess um, this will be the most popular one. It is the popular one, but it takes the longest to grow. Um, and it's because of the popularity, you know, we, we've put it on our um, variety range. But again, you know, that's uh, when you're thinking about real estate because we use vertical farming, so we're using shelves to... Um, stage our, uh, our trays of seeds and we're working on an eight-day process whereas if we're occupying the top shelf with cilantro they're not going to move for another you know 14 days and so you, you potentially lose out on a product that could be going twice uh, whereas cilantro is basically a uh, highly required sort of you know variety you have to grow it kind of thing because you want to add it to your mixes you want to cater for you know the, the demand that's actually out there. So how many how many trays would you do for cilantro, like on a weekly basis? So you have to put one. You could start growing one week, and then the next week can start growing the next one. So yeah, so you have you get it gets so yeah, cycle yeah, cycle yeah. every week. Eh? Mm -hmm. So you know when on on in my process area we've got one germination side, and then we have the the light photosynthesis side, so where the lights and where the magic happens sort of thing. Because the uh, microgreens only take, I don't know, two or three days in the sunlight before they're ready to, you know, harvest. So they don't spend a lot of time under the sun. It's mostly during the period when they're trying to stretch in uh, what we call dark mode. So where there's a phase where we, we put them out blackout, and then we put them, uh, sorry, we put them in um, a weighted uh, state. So... We put a tray on top of another tray with the soil in between after we've sowed the seeds and then we put a bit of weight on top of it to uh, um, to what's the word that I'm looking for? <laughs> to make it feel like it's soil on top but you don't want to put soil on top. Uh, what's the word? Emulate, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it's weight. a living thing, eh? So yeah. it feels like, mm. eh? oh. and you don't want to, um, 
you don't want it to dry out too much, so you want to keep it covered, sort of thing. So it just emulates the the the, the, the fact that it's soil, but it's not. So once the the seed starts to germinate, you know, it starts to look for a place to look for light. Um, so after three to four days, you open it up and it's in its sprout version. So this is where another sort of product comes out. And, you know, that's where you get your sprouts like your alfalfa and your mung beans. Um, but they grow those in a jar, by the way. So at that process, it becomes a sprout. And then you wait another three, four days after that. Uh, and then it becomes a, a microgreen. Um, but in between that, you want to try and um, monitor how long you want to put it in the in the soil uh, sort of state. And then once it starts to, you know, grow, then you flip the tray over, put it in a process called dark mode, where it's just trying to emulate it, uh, the feeling of it in a dark place. Um, and then it starts to stretch and starts to grow towards, you know, using gravity more or less right and then you remove the tray after two uh one or two days you find them that they're stretching like at least an inch or two and then you put them under the sun and then uh, sorry under the the grow lights and then mm. they start the uh photosynthesis process to mm. start greening them up oh yeah and oh, then wow. um Shucks. that's that's the you know that's when you start harvesting them but again you know if you leave them out too long then the parent leaves start to develop and you it, it just starts to become really bitter kind of thing but you know it's, it's an art form of trying to you know harvest harvest at the right time but you don't want to harvest too early because you don't want to have your product deteriorate fast on you kind of thing because you've got a two-week window because for microgreens uh can sit nicely and comfortably in the fridge for up to two weeks but for us we want to keep our safe levels within a week and we aim to, to think that you know using the, the right amount the right um, uh, packaging size or weight um, will give you know the consumer just enough for that week without the product sitting around in the fridge mm. so that's your attention to detail huh? kind of. Of, of everything like the amount the week will last a week for the oh. You That's know, when cool. you watch all these big um, mm. commercial companies, there's always some sort of study that that they um, they they use and kind of like you know real estate on the shopping shelves. You know, it's good to you know try and take that on board and kind of you know learn from those. You know, Coca-Cola only want their cokes on a certain you know height, sort of thing. <laughs> how, not, that I'm not saying that I want to be like Coke, but you know, maybe one day. Well, there's lessons to be learned yeah, for these kind of things. So the the marketing side of 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 your microgreens, do you just come up with how you think it should be marketed, or do you get influences from um, what's out there, YouTube and? We haven't done a lot of marketing campaigns as such, but we use social media, um, Instagram. We take a lot of pictures of our own foods as well as families. Um, photos of their dishes and of course our customers love to send their um, end results of their dishes and oh my soup looks really nice with you know radish on top you know here's my dish and so how much would you pay for that sort of thing so we collect all these pictures uh, through our process and we say, would you like us to you know feature this particular dish and it's just to get it out there and say look 
There's a lot of things you can do with microgreens in terms of, you know, being a chef at home, mm. you know, if you just want to, you know, impress your um, your date, you know, throw some microgreens on it and, then, you know, your date will go from, oh, nice steak to, oh, wow, that's interesting kind of thing, you know. <laughs> microgreens makes a lot of difference. Mm. But, you know, um, we haven't really um, touched base in, uh, in marketing in terms of trying to get out there further than social media. I mean, social media, a lot of people are out there, and that's just, again, getting ourselves known, putting our brand name out there, and um, just trying to, you know, engage with, with, with the community um, or with clients, customers. Um, but I think, you know, the the more we, we just, you know, share, you know, foods and promote our brand, I think um, it'll slowly become, you know, where we want to be in the future. And that's trying to be part of a healthy sort of diet and a healthy sort of lifestyle. You know, before we jump on the mics, you're talking about there's a there's people in Samoa doing this too, eh? Yeah, um, I, I don't know who they are, but it's quite interesting. Um, the, the suppliers of um, the microgreen trays that I, I work with, her name's Catherine. She runs microgreens in, in, in the North Shore side. She was telling me that she had a visit from these microgreen growers in Samoa. So I thought, you know, I thought I was the first Samoan. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> yeah, there's another Samoan out there growing it. And, you know, this is this is what I really enjoy is that, you know, it's interesting that our culture is, you know, embracing new things rather than the same old thing, you know, being a banker, you know, being a, a lawyer, you know. There's heaps of us out there, you know, now for for to become a doctor or or a physiotherapist or a, you know a pathologist you know just these interesting um, sort of aspects and again for for me to engage microgreens so you know I was um, quite interested in it and I thought you know it'd be something great to get into and you know let everyone know that you know from a, a humble perspective you can do it too sort of thing so again, taking what I strived in with my own career in IT uh, and taking that sort of same sort of feeling and trying to strive forward and go do something different, like out of the ordinary. Because, um, you know, growing up, I was always the odd one out of the the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, your, your daytime job is IT. That, that's what you've trained for. Yeah, so um, spent, yeah, so I've spent fifteen years uh, for the company I currently work with, and um, it's been interesting. But um, I'm starting to lose sort of the interest in that sort of area of expertise. I'm starting to move towards more the agriculture, horticulture side, and um, I think it just comes down to you know getting old, and you you just want to really do something that you really fond of rather than what you originally tried to chase and that was to try and chase the money um yeah that's typical for especially if you worked the job for more than 10 years 15 years you know mm. especially you're not moving anywhere <laughs> <laughs> but you know i'm, I'm yeah i'm kind of in that same predicament as well you know like i've been in my job for like the past 20 years mm. and it's kind of yeah, yeah same old shit you know you want to Try new things, and yeah. but but then you think about the thing that puts you off really is go back to school. Yeah, 
<laughs> and then um, doing their struggle again for another whatever. Three, four years, and then you just end up, you know, quitting. And it's like, <laughs> why did I even start? <laughs> yeah, but but then, you know, that's the that's the challenge, right? But in the back of your mind, you know, we're going to get one life. Exactly. And there's no yeah. use waking up in the morning to go somewhere and you're unhappy, you yeah. know? And then you come home and do your side hustle because that's what you're already into. Problem is, the side hustle is not going to put the food on your yeah. table and roof over your head at the moment, you know? So that's I mean, the. It keeps you busy as well, you know? It keeps me out of trouble, sort of thing, you know? And um, keeps me focused on my children as well, you know? And gives them, uh, gives me something to focus on in terms of, you know, engaging with them, you know? Despite the fact that they don't like it, sometimes, you know, they have a part time, you know, responsibility within the business where we get to. Engaged, they don't know it, but we're actually working as a family, trying to, you know, emphasize and bring this company up. And, you know, just being teenagers, you know, your typical teenager doesn't want to do it, doesn't want to do it. But, you know, in the long run, later on in life, you know, they'll be more thankful that they were doing it because, you know, it's the same feelings I went through, you know, on the car and you didn't want to do this, you didn't want to do that. But then when you think back, it's like, oh, man. Should have put more emphasis on it, you know. Life could have been a lot easier today, sort of thing. Mm. But yeah, um, and a bit of bribing helps. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you this, I'll give you that. Okay, and they start washing the, the trays out really clean. Mm. Mm. But yeah, no, nah, for me, it's just a family orientation and something that I like doing. And my family loves it as well. You know, we're all together and we're all trying to strive for the same sort of uh, object, objective, and that's just to try and you know, motivate others. Um, we're not health experts or anything, but we definitely want to try and, you know, contribute towards it uh, with our knowledge of what we know about microgreens and, you know, with the health scenario, we can probably, you know, put something together and help out those that do know what nutritional values are. I mean, for us, the product is a product that we need to learn about and we need to focus on what the product uh, wants to do. And I uh, sorry, what we want to do for the clients that are out there, or the customers that want to know, or want to grab this, so we cater that demand sort of thing. Mm. And it's good that you're getting the family involved too, because yeah. you know it's good for the family and stuff. You know, but that, yeah, I was gonna say about the side hustle stuff. Like, it comes a time where the time is time is important. Yeah. You know, the time you put into the side hustle. Yeah, yeah. And then there, there will come a time that you need more time. Yeah. And then it's trying to find that time, you know. Well, we're all living on borrowed time, they say. <laughs> but when, when, when for you is that point where it's time to get some more time to do this? And then that means eating up in your daytime job. Um, it's just... Right See, that's, a, moment, that's a hard part. Yeah, eh? it's the hard part. It's just juggling the the two um, sort of I don't know streams of income, I suppose. Mm. Um, but you have your in your head your goal, your your number that will make you. Oh yeah, time. Yeah, to, I mean, time to do this full time. For me, it's just the word residual. You know, I mean, I want to do this business. You know, hopefully start it up and then you know hand it over to someone that I can train. And, um, you know, carry on the business and then turn this whole business into a project where, again, we can develop it into a franchise and then move it on, sell it as a whole kit. 
I mean, there's heaps of ideas that we want to try and do. But again, you're right. Time is, you know, the the main thing. And um, we don't have a lot of it. But you just got to keep going sort of thing. Have you come to that point where you need time yet or not, not yet? Um, for me, I try not to focus on time. I just try and, you know, prep and then just inch forward. It might take me two weeks to do something. It might take me a day to do something. But for me, if I'm moving forward, then I know I've accomplished something. Um, if I'm just sitting there, you know, reading, I'm accomplishing something, you know, something towards the business. Um, but for me, it's... And there was a time it was all about money, but again, we don't control time. And I think it's just for, you know, it's hard for me to say really, but for me, I'm just going forward. You just got to do what you got to do sort of thing without trying to be, you know, too overpowering sort of thing. There's a deep thought right there. <laughs> <laughs> now you, man, because that's what I love with your social media. When every time you post something, there's always something deep thoughts, you know. There's, I think there's one that you posted about. Like, I think you were like following a group of ants, was it? They were like this line of ants or something, or line of insects walking, and, and you were following them or something. Uh, yeah, probably not me. Was it you? <laughs> no, it was, well, there was something you were, you had a video of. Uh, was a while, it was a while ago. Yeah. But then, nah, it's funny, you, you post some out of it stuff, like, different things that makes me think, you yeah. know? And some, just like... those deep thoughts. Yeah, those deep thoughts ones, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah those deep thought ones. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of those. <laughs> It must have not been it must be something else, but I remember... I was, I was like, what the hell is that? But uh, the I think the latest one I saw was when you commented on someone else about um, Scooby-Doo. There was a Scooby-Doo. Uh, I think the article was like Scooby-Doo and there were like, it was a hidden message there. It was like, uh, oh, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, a lesbian yeah. cartoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a retake on a message that a guy was talking about why, you know, back in the days, you mm. know, us as kids, we did, we were oblivious to you know these uh, hidden messages of you it's know, like subliminal messages. Yeah, well, I'm gonna say <laughs> subliminal because it was right out there. And then um, his comment hit me, and um, I remember this um, cartoon that I came across. I used to love the cartoon when I was, it was Rainbow. Eh? Rainbow, <laughs> you watched it? <laughs> Bangol and uh, yeah. Zippy, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it just <laughs> I came across this episode where. It was just, you know, as an adult, you just knew what they were talking about. But, you know, and then I actually put my um, <clears throat> one of my cousins in front of it and she, she didn't even know what, what, what they were talking about. And mm -hmm. you could just tell, you know, they were engaged and she was watching the cartoon for what it was, you know, yeah. twangers and bangers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in their mind, you know, they're oblivious to the hidden messages, but you're sitting there going, man. <laughs> because what was the what was behind the, that episode? Because was that intentional? Um, I think it was a take on uh, the directors or the the makers of Scooby Doo now coming out. No, 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 the the rainbow that rainbow episode. When we talking about swingers and bangers, when you were saying my bangers are big or something like that. Ugh. The rainbow one, that episode. Because yep. was that a actual episode that went out? 
Well, I mean, it's a YouTube video. Um, yeah, because I when I watched because I watched the it looks really. And I was thinking, yeah. man, was that did that actually come out when we were kids? Well, I I don't recall watching that episode, <laughs> but I definitely remember watching the, <laughs> yeah. the you know Rainbow. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, nah, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. I mean, there are other you know cartoons out with hidden messages and you know hidden pictures. Just like uh, Family Guy. Do you watch Family Guy? That's funny, uh, man. a few times. That, that family Guy is like adults only, but yeah, it's so the messages are there, but you could, a kid won't know, understand. Ah, okay. It's nah. kind of rude too. Yeah. It's rude and all that, but Family Guy. Oh, the cartoon. The cartoon. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't watched a lot of videos and movies lately. It's just usually um, YouTube videos. <laughs> Some of those come home. Do your job and then eat, and then you're having dinner, and you've got your phone on your hand, just watching, you know, little clip hits. Yeah, because I'm, I've, I've been watching a lot of those uh, Netflix uh, cooking shows, not cooking shows, but food shows, about about food. And there's a few. I like the, the I like the one. There's a series called Street Food, and and the latest episode or the latest season, they're in America. Oh, okay. So I think the first episode they go to Portland. In America, and there's like a big um, food industry there. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. they're into their like uh, food trucks. Oh, okay. So they got these spots around town where food trucks just converge, mm, mm, mm. and they open, and they have um, they have they've got a bar there as well. They can have a beer Different. and have, oh, okay. have food, and you sit down and eat with your family. It's real, real neat. I think I've watched a Mexican version of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where they were in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I think every season is a different. Place. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I watched a bit of it. I'm I'm not too much of a fan of of Netflix, but yeah, I have I've watched that. Yeah, it's quite interesting how they you know take a a national dish and then they put their pizzazz on it and put their um ideas on it, and then you know you've just got all these customers you know asking for it and mm. it takes off sort of thing. Did you, Did you go out with your family for for dinner at um restaurants and stuff? Uh, and see what they bring with their Michael Greens on the fancy food, isn't it? Uh, I'm pretty sure we're, we're like every other family that just visits the drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> but now we, you know, we we occasionally go out. I mean, you know, finances, you know, we do try and treat ourselves to, you know, a fine dining. But um, when we do, it's 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 to experience and, and change of scenery. Mm. But we don't often, you know, take too much to the restaurant. I mean... Why spend five dollars when you can spend twenty cents on an egg? <laughs> <laughs> those, those really expensive ones. You just sit there and it's just like, oh man, that piece of steak or that mm. chicken breast or that drumstick was like seven dollars. But then you look at Woolworths bag of drumsticks you can get for like eight dollars or something like that. Yeah, and that's been the thing, eh, of the grocery prices going going up. Yeah, I mean. I mean, man, man. I remember going to Packersafe and looking at my and my trolley's not even full. It's probably half, not even half. And you, you, see, you can still see the bottom. Yeah. And it's like almost hundred bucks. Yeah. Inflation. Man, I remember when hundred bucks was a full trolley. Full trolley. Back in the days, but but you know, different when, times and you know just. So yeah, you know, with inflation, have you adjusted with your your product? Well, I mean, and all that because obviously the soil must have went up 
everything, mm, mm, mm. your your expenditures would have went yep. up too. So well. we, we, we go, we follow the, the trend as well. You know, mm. it's it takes us a little slow to adjust, you know, because our our customer base is quite small, you know, compared to a big company. You know, you've got your everyday is they come in and like, oh, your microgreens have gone up in price. <laughs> I said, oh, price inflation, sorry, you know, dirt is, is expensive, the seeds have gone up, you know, the seed prices have gone up, you know, even the power. And then they, you know, kind of, you know, sympathize with you and they goes, oh, you're not wrong there. So, you know, you kind of just gauge on that from a marketing perspective and just try and make them feel sorry for mm. you sort of thing. But, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's true fact, you know. Um, so the power bill, man. The power bill wow. is just massive. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm like one of those wolves that come out at night and start looking for any lights that are left on I was like mm. why is this light on I, I don't know but man I changed my, um, power, my, my, power, my power company and it's $200 cheaper a month fuck so I'm now, I'm now with that Frank um, power Frank I think it's called Frank Electrical or Frank something Frank or we're with power shop or something and um the wife pays because mm. uh, that that comes power. with the internet. No? There's one that comes with the internet or something like that. But man, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot what it was. Oh, it was a glow bug or something. Oh. <laughs> is that why those guys years ago? Is that why? Yeah, man, they're quite expensive. Because yeah. they run on technology as well. So you know, they come in and they stick a meter on your thing. Mm. You know, I remember that. I was I was quite high. Um, I don't know why, but yeah, no, we still got that thing sitting in the in the power meter. They never came back and got it. Well, I got the um, I didn't get the meter one, but I got the one that you just they just they just monitor. But uh, yeah, I got rid of them, and then two hundred dollars cheaper a month. I was like, what? Got ripped off, man. So Frank, Frank, uh, whatever it's called, Frank something. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot more options out there, I suppose. You know, but at the same time, they're all kind of, you know, working together. I mean, they're all the same lines, just different providers, I suppose. Mm. You know, with your your water, so you get to obviously is it ongoing? The water like always going. Um. Well, we're we're doing it manually at the moment, oh, right. so we're using just normal tap water. Um, we've introduced a filtering system, so you know uh, we should really get into the pH levels of water. But again, you know it's neither here nor there, and at this stage, but it's something that will contribute to making the microgreens a lot stronger and healthier, right. or make, might make them last longer. Um, so there's a lot of study behind types of pH levels that you want to put the, put inside your microgreen mm. sort of thing. But for us, you know, it's filtered waters is enough, and, um, and it meets the organic lovers, you know. Whereas this is this organically grown, like well, it's got no pesticides or herbicides, because I mean that's what you want to really focus on is getting away from all the chemicals. Mm. So we don't use any of that stuff. Uh, so it's just natural water, and um, we do it manually just with a, a water gun. So we've got two settings: just uh, shower and misting. So, yeah, it's not, it's all about just using those sort of settings just to try and minimise, you know, uh, wastage, I suppose. Mm. I remember, um, I remember, I remember watching this documentary called Food Inc. It's a few years ago, but it was about, um, the farms in, in the States and, uh, and the, and the seeds, the seeds are like, um, 
They're like trademarked. Yeah. Um, I have heard of that, and I've read a little bit about it. it uh, again, it was in the cannabis sort oh. of scenario. Um, a lot of seeds are um, engineered, genetically yeah, yeah. engineered. And, and so they, the company that did them, they own it. Yeah. You can't use it or something. Yeah. Um, or if you can use it, but they have royalty rights to it. So right. if you buy, mm. you they earn a little portion of what you paid for. So like you paid 10 bucks for a sack of seeds or something, and they'll get a dollar or something. So in America, what was happening, that they would, a, a farm would buy it, and then somehow the seeds will go next door to the other farm, mm. and then they'll come and claim the... The royalties from the other farm, even though yeah. they didn't buy the seed. But nah, my seeds are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do um, those ones? When I was reading up on on, on on a lot of that information when I was doing my certificate, um, I didn't realize that New Zealand has the same thing. Do we? we? Yeah. yeah. You can't you can't just go and grow a particular type of, you know, if you wanted to raise uh, an orchard and you wanted to raise apples, you had to, you know, go through the people that own or you know, have rights to that particular See, variety. Oh. Um, from what I understand, they grow from, from grafts. And then not a lot of people grow from from seed. And if they do grow from seed, it'll be the science sort of side where they'll grow from seed and then they'll um, splice it and then they'll try and, you know, develop another type of sort of uh, variety. So the seeds you use, that could be trademarked and then you got to give royalty to that. I don't give royalties, but um, the company that probably supplies us with the seeds probably pays a, a, an X amount to distribute it. So from my end, I've already paid it when I receive it, sort of thing. Oh, right. So we the, don't, yeah, we don't see any of that. The supplier pays for the... Yeah, oh. so on, the, the total of the on cost comes to me, so I'm paying, you know, 170 bucks for uh, 10 kgs of seed. And a portion of the money that I pay will probably go to that, and yeah. I don't know, I don't see that side of thing because yeah. they're the ones supplying it, so it really should go there. So they're just on. Mm. Because that that documentary when they explained it, the seeds yeah. in America, how they trademark, it was like real dodgy. Oh, like it was their way of trying to make money, you know. Make and, money. I mean, and then if you refuse, yeah. they will get people down there and try and um. I don't think force you yeah. to <laughs> yeah not grow it or use it or something oh there, there's oh. i've heard of stories um in the in the cannabis world where you know a lot of the medicinal sort of side that does happen mm. where people are growing uh marijuana uh for medicinal purposes and in comes the person that or the company that owns the rights or certified to grow these only and starts messing with that company sort of thing mm. um I don't think it's happened in New Zealand, but I, you know, I think every country has a, a seed database, you know, right. and that are owned and run by uh, different corporations. Um, it's just royalty rights. I mean, it's it's a it's a, um, yeah intellectual rights sort of thing. So if someone's developed something and you know that person wants to, you know benefit from it, and I agree with it. I mean, if you want to, you know grow navel oranges or mandarins a particular type you know you, you go through the people that supplies it and mm. you ask yourself the question why are the prices different and they're all oranges but yeah. it's just different sort of nutrient levels different taste different sort of um you know um styles big sizes blah blah blah, mm. blah kind of thing seedless 
Mm. Know? I, I guess it's just weird that they'll take a natural thing like seeds and oh, that's well, mine, that's mine. But I mean, it make business wise, it makes sense. Um, I don't think there is anything called natural seeds anymore. A lot of it's um, seeds that are extracted from genetically modified sort of vegetables already. Um, I do, I did, I do remember watching a documentary where there was uh, this cannabis again. Cannabis, I seem to know a lot about this stuff. Eh? <laughs> where this cannabis seed king went over to you know Africa looking for you know um, the most natural seed out there to try and you know reclaim the rights to the um, the the original sort of strain. You know the untouched strain that was you know was never genetically modified and they'd bring it back they'd grow it and you know in a controlled atmosphere because cross-pollination is how some uh plants uh mutate and again so they grow this thing and then it's not registered in um a database of some sort and then they'll claim it sort of thing you know is theirs uh, yeah and then they'll um <clears throat> you know off you know a couple of hundred dollars to the to the natives or the you know the um, locals that they that help them find this particular plant and then they'll um start you know selling it in in the states sort of thing but again it's like um gold mining i suppose you know you, you pay your royalties to the person that owns the land and you know what you find is yours sort of thing um, and I guess that's with seeds, you know, if you, you know, nobody really owns seeds, but if you manufacture a particular type of strain and you put a patent on it or, um, you know, own the rights, then kind of gives you that intellectual uh, mindset that, you know, oh, I'm the only one that can grow that and I can take you to court because, you know, in the States you can pretty much sue for anything. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, <laughs> is that something you would look into, like trying to develop your own seed? Nah, no, no, different ball game. Yeah. Not a level. No, you need, different you need level. thousands of dollars. Oh, it's not about um, funding. It's just you know, that's that's a whole different sort of you know knowledge base sort of thing. You know, having to deal with you know grafting and seed manipulation. Because um, I mean, touching on the subject that is quite you know sophisticated, and it has its own sort of you know complications. But in terms of microgreens, now. Nah. That's <laughs> up for me, mate. <laughs> but now you can get real deep, bay eh, when it comes to agriculture. Eh? Like, oh, uh, somewhat. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know everything, and I'm not qualified, but I, I, I dabble at it. And mm. it's what I do, I like to dabble in a lot of subjects. Yeah. I remember, um, because I read this book in about human history, and when humans discovered agriculture that was a big um that was a big milestone eh? In which culture uh agriculture agriculture when, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when they discovered it when know, they yeah and started to well that's when they realized they could stay put instead of following herds mm. um, yeah yeah that's right that's right mm. yeah and i think um the movement of animals was played a lot and, and how humans, you know, moved from one continent to another. Well, that that, that was sort of like the end of um, hunter-gathering, eh? when they discovered the agriculture. 
Because they would just grow. They know to grow and mm. stuff like that. No? Kind of like the, the American Indians would do the same similar thing, but I think they used to follow the buffalo and it just goes around in a circle sort of thing around the plains. Mm. See, this is stuff you post on your Facebook, man. <laughs> So we're here to talk about microgreens, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, I like to devil and talk about it, but yeah. So have you been always been a fan of science at school and uh, or, yeah. you, or um, we just you just love it now later on in life when you realise it's interesting. Um, I have a cousin that came over from American Samoa who uh, loves science and but mm. later got in, got into uh, art. And we spent a lot of time just before, you know, before the internet, you know, we used to s- sit there and research out of, uh, I don't know if you remember the Britannica yeah. encyclopedias. <laughs> that was that was sort of what the old you know man bought for us. You know, my mom, she just rang me up a couple of weeks ago to ask me, oh, do you still want your encyclopedia Britannica? <laughs> Sorry, you still got that? Man. And I said, oh, man, you can just throw that out. No, 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 keep it, man. There's you reckon? Have a look online, man. There's, those are like... Uh, you reckon? You, you, might, you might get someone that would, would buy it for, a, you know, just a mantelpiece sort of thing rather than read it. It's, you know... <laughs> because we had a big... They, they had a big cleaner of my house after... Because my old man, he passed away too back oh. in July. But we had a big cleaner and there's a skip outside the house. It's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the rubbish and that. And but my mum rang up a couple of weeks ago. Son, do you want the your Britannica encyclopedia yeah. set? And I said, oh, nah, nah, throw it away. <laughs> so it might be in the skip oh, right now. <laughs> but are you saying, do you know if it's Have a worth- look on Trade Me. I mean, there are people out there that, you know, you know, they're saying other people's trash is someone else's treasure. I mean, touching on that <laughs> subject, I mean, I used to have an Optimus Prime, you know, mm. uh, transformer toy. Yeah. And that thing is now worth about $6,000, mm. you know, the 1980, you know, figurines. I remember that. And even mm. the G.I. Joes. In there. So, I mean, those things are, uh, you know, priceless. You know, there'll be people out there that'll be hunting for them. <laughs> you know, even the Master System, you know, I wish I had my Master System. Those things are selling for like three, $400 now. Hello. <laughs> for the, you know, no. For the Poindexters and, you know. I'm going to get a, a VCR. Because I want to get some tapes to watch. Yeah. I still got my old tapes from at home. Like, I used to tape off the TV. Yeah, yeah. All these music videos and all these other videos. RTR Countdown. And all that stuff. <laughs> so, I don't know if they, they sell them anymore. Might have to look on Trade Me. Yeah, it'll be some, it'll probably be classed as some sort of vintage, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> an idea. Um, put up a website, vintage. Me. Do you have a website? Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, OFEMNZ.co.nz. Did you make it yourself? Or? Uh, I started off making it myself, but I um, roped, uh, roped a friend in. Right. And it's all about connections and, you know, um, a good friend of mine, you know, said to me once when he was building his businesses, if you don't know what you're doing, find someone that knows how to do it and focus on other things. Mm. So, you know... Alec- oh, delegating. Yeah. Um, so that's what I try and do, you know, without, you know, spending too much money, mm. you know, try and minimize costs, but reach an objective to where we want to be, sort of thing. And then, you know, the rewards come later. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because, man, when I, when I was looking for a website place, I didn't want to go get someone else to do it because it would cost money. 
But then option nights are pretty expensive too. But it's that um, it's not Squarespace, but it's the other one, uh, Wix. The Wix. Oh yeah, <coughs> yeah they got some good platforms, um, good uh, templates. Um, yeah. For me, um, I I get mine hosted through a friend's server oh. for free, <laughs> and we use WordPress. See your IT, so you know yeah. all the tricks. Oh, you yeah. know all the tricks. <laughs> so uh, I just I just use two gigs of his space, and you know again, you know, don't forget me if you take off. You know, so I, you know, he's not using the space, so I jump in there and then I set it up, and then I get someone else to, you know, run the um, software that runs it. You know, and um, you know, I've dabbled at it. I started it off, but you know, I've just got too much time. Uh, not enough time to try and focus on one thing so I try and get someone else to do it and you know put someone on board so you know I've got a little friend of mine that does that and he shows me what he's capable of and so mate it's your baby do it you know I'll just throw the information you posted on how you like you know and then that gives me time to focus on processes and uh, getting you know certificates and um, qualifications through for the business I mean learning to become a director is, is, is just you know every day I'm learning something different you know talking to people that I've never I'd never speak to about you know getting prerequisites for the business mm. and it's fun at the same time but you know mind-dawdling because you know the person on the other side of the phone is like who's this ring? <laughs> <laughs> so do you have to do those cold calls and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, well, unfortunately, you just got to get out there and, you know, try and get your name out. So <clears throat> it's not going to happen um, if you just sit around. But, you know, at the, at the moment, um, the main idea for me is to try and focus on building our brand. And then once we have the brand and we've got all the tools, we can then start, you know, sending out the brand to franchises and then at the same time build an accommodation that can supply this chain that we're starting to, f you know, build at the front. So, you know, the more customers we have, you know, the more we need more real estate sort of thing. And I think just trying to find that balance, you know, you'll find that in a lot of the, um, the data that we bring in. And so someone has to go through all that data you know, how much seeds we need, how much punnets we sold, how much yield we used, how much water we used, um, how much power is going through, you know, all these little finer details, you know. When you minus everything, then you have this little chunk of change and that's what we made, sort right. of thing, you know, and it depends um, after, you know, all the bills have been paid. And the whole idea is just to try and grow that, but at the same time, you know, um, share and, and 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 get the um brand out mm. yeah that's it's it's part of business that people probably don't want to deal with but they have to yeah you know I mean, those little little things and then you know you try to do it yourself and you know there's people out there you can hire to sort mm. that out but at a small scale you can't yeah you can't it all comes at a cost i mm. mean if you've got deep pockets you can do anything if you've got good friends you can achieve it as well. I mean, most of my accomplish accomplishments are through the help of good friends, you know, um, different deeds and their uh, abilities and specialties, you know, contribution helps me inch forward sort of thing, you know, and I draw their, their strengths. Um, you know, on your website, can you order your product? 
in in, in progress yeah in progress oh, okay so i mean this just so happens that um my web designer rang me up and goes um when do you want to start selling i was like oh we don't want to start selling to anybody so we want to structure it you know again finding what we want to do that doesn't put us in put the business in a strife we don't want to be you know mm -hmm. catering to the one or two punnets we want to be dealing with you know a good lucrative sort of income where everyone's happy you know if we're selling like 20 30 punnets you know we look after these people but we don't want to give an opportunity when we're making ourselves stressed out mm. over uber runs sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know again you got to try and focus on what builds capital and revenue mm. rather than trying to meet the demand of every tom dick and harry out there because i mean if you start doing that then you start falling the wheels start falling off mm. so you just got to try and find that balance where everyone's happy and i think that's where i try and um put my expertise in and, and say okay well we don't want to emphasize too much on this and just being real about it you know yeah like i'll, I'll stand up here and i'll I'll probably dog some of the customers and say, oh, nah, you guys can't do this from a customer level. And from a supplier level, I'll go, well, we can't do this because of these reasons sort of thing. But, you know, trying to find a, a sweet spot where the business isn't sh under strain or stress and where the customer isn't waiting or have a demand in there, you know. Um, you know what you're saying makes, makes total sense. <laughs> and it's... It's refreshing because, you know, when you start talking about we don't want to just sell to anybody, mm. you know, normal person will go, well, why? It's supposed to sell to everybody. Yeah. Isn't that the whole goal of making money? But you're right. All the, all the factors that you say to help you grow, mm. you know, you can't just jump in. Is that your IT experience coming through? Is this your experience uh, in IT trying to solve problems, knowing when the problems will happen in yeah. the future and knowing how to take care of it now so it doesn't happen l later on? Uh, probably yes and no. I mean, a lot of it uh, has to do with just self-training. Um, and again, from an analytical perspective, you know, you learn these things and you sometimes you don't even know you're learning it sort of thing and, and it just kind of falls in just by learning from others and um, life skills and, and just knowledge, really. And then you just take all this knowledge, put it together, fine-tune it, and then implement it. And if it doesn't work fine-tune it again sort of thing until it works um i mean microgreens just just growing the stuff is hard enough you know you ask anybody that that grows it as a hobby you know you'll have some people that you know have great success others just don't have any success nine times out of ten it's that missing component like their lack of knowledge um and you ask a few questions and you realize, okay, it's humidity. There's too much humidity in there. Try putting it closer to a, a shady part of the of the window, and it might work, might not, you know, sort of thing. Or it's too soggy, sort of thing. So you're overwatering it. Um, so I think just taking that sort of example in terms of trying to fine tune what you're trying to reach is is, is really vital, and that's what I've learned just by, you know, trying to put this business together and just being honest, really, just trying to, you know, find common ground, really. You know, we touched on um, our people and our diets 
early on in the podcast then i was just wondering your thoughts on i know we talked about educating and free your free your product you know getting it out there but what, what are your thoughts on trying to help our people change their ideas of of food try to get that those numbers down diabetes numbers yeah. down and i mean edu- through education and that it's just awareness uh more or less i mean we're my my stepbrother is from Samoa, so again, it's a you know particularly a set of tools that I can use his fa Samoa and his his knowledge about Samoa young fella, um, and it's us trying to develop something that you know uh, that we can get out to the, the community, and it starts with home ground. And what else better to use than social media? You know, there'll be people out there that 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 are forever on you know, YouTube forever on Facebook like me sort of thing. And you'll come across some sort of um, platform that shares this sort of information. And that's what we want to try and do. So, um, you know, taking all these elements, you know, the fa'asa more, you know, and applying it to uh, a program for ways for, for people to be comfortable in terms of understanding what health benefits are. I mean, a lot of... Um, our Samoan families, especially our elders, don't understand the benefits of, of eating healthy. It's just, you know, malo sele kingo sort of thing. But from a nutritional perspective, how much of this should you eat? You know, if you eat too much bread, you know, that fiber could be, you know, bad for you. Um, if you eat too much meat, you know, that could be bad for you. Um, and it's it goes that far, but there's no sort of, um, how do I say, uh, raw data, if that, if, that, if that's, you know, sort of thing to try and communicate with, like, you know, like a Samoan word for vitamin, vitamin, you know, vitamin A, B, sort of thing, and you don't know how to explain it in the Samoan terms, and then you try and, you know, uh, explain it in the Palangi terms, and it kind of goes, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. It's like I'm not interested anymore, sort of thing. And I think trying to make them comfortable, especially our elderly, um, starts with our language, you know. And I think that's probably the best way, and for us to try and develop a program where we're speaking in the mother tongue and explaining things. And again, that's another sort of potential campaign we're trying to look at. Because it goes hand in hand, it goes with time, you know. Um, just ideas and putting it on paper, and then just kind of like how you would structure your podcast sort of thing. Something comes to mind, you write it down, and then your ideas start flowing. And then before you know, it, you've got a script. Something. So for us, we've got a got an idea, and then we put it down, and then that's how we roll with it, kind of. So again. It's just trying to, you know, balance both sides, sort of thing. What we know and our, uh, I, I, I would differentiate myself from the Samoans, sort of thing, because I'm a Samoan Kiwi, and we have our own culture, sort of thing. And at the same time, we acknowledge our motherland, and um, they do things a little bit different, not totally different, but, you know, you always find little uh parts of life where you don't always agree or do things a little bit differently. So, I mean, that's what culture is all about, you know, having a unique culture. And I think that's another thing that we clash in is the differences. 
Um, but again, using that information just to try and, you know, um, communicate our subject or topic over like microgreens is, is, is helpful. And um, just finding the right words to say in, in terms is a, is a challenge in itself. Like still trying to dig for the some more word for microgreens. You know, because every other <clears> word's <throat> been taken up, you know, mm. miyamaka is for everything green or saalaki is for salad. And so you can't really use those words. But then the whasaamoa, you know, one word means a lot of things. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. You know, when I think about salmon food, the the typical plate you get, right? It's, yeah. It's all carbs, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's mostly carbs. Mostly carbs. I'm just thinking about what like, you could put this stuff on. You could put it in sapasui, maybe. Oh mate, well we we you, you we pull it on fatty we can, coconut cream. Um, we've put it, it nice. on. Um, we've put it in chop suey, mm. uh, just as a garnish again. You know, mix it in, kind of like you know how some families use mixed veggies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same thing. We can do that with um, microgreens. Um, we've chucked it in um, as an alternative to um, uh, you know. Povimasimo, mm. you know, I mean, those things are really bad, but, you know, if you want to try and um, change a little bit of, you know, nutrition going into somebody, then, you know, you might as well change and put some um, microgreens in there. But again, you know, you don't want to deteriorate the nutritional value, so you put it in after you boil <laughs> the hell out of a piece of, you know, povimasimo. I remember my, my one of my one of my aunties. She made um sapsui with um chopped um celery. Yeah. In there, man, that crunchy. Yeah, that not extra bad. texture. Yeah, I've tried the, it. Yeah. Man, it goes, man. Yeah. Ah. She tried um chopped suey with mushrooms. That's mm. not bad. Oh, that Yeah, nice. <laughs> Here's a, you know going back to that um that uh, talk about you me knowing what to do so for me um in terms of knowing what to put in a chop suey as an alternative um instead of meat i i tried mushrooms and it worked oh yeah, you know, yeah. one time you know and um so now you just chop up mushrooms and add it if you don't have enough meat kind of thing so there's a bit of a tip <laughs> they won't know because of the you know mm-hmm. of the soy sauce it looks like masks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the taste. And you know, when you crunch it, ah, oh, this, this meat tastes really nice. <laughs> I lay low all the mushroom. They're called vegans up Vegans Oh, there's an idea right there. <laughs> you know, since you're doing microgreens, have, has vegan menus, vegan, anything vegan come to like being, it's sort of like in your, in your periphery now more than has been before um well we sell at um uh shed collective at oratia and that's all vegan based mm-hmm. and um we've learned a bit you know um have you met any of those activists those vegan uh ones? yeah you get a you get a couple <laughs> of them um you, i mean you're there i mean at the end of the day you put your customer you know your 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 seller hat on mm-hmm. and customer service hat on you know you cringe sometimes you know what they say you know about you know um, how we treat animals and I mean they're right in some perspective but at the same time you know population is growing and we've got to find ways of you know meeting demand again that balance thing that we talk about mm. um, and they have their own opinions in terms of what we shouldn't do and should do 
But you're going to just, you know, not a moment. Oh, would you like a radish? <laughs> nice and spicy. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, you, you get you get some people that are really passionate. I'd say the word passionate mm. because I mean they are really passionate, and I'm, I, I don't fault them. You know, it's just their way. I mean, we're here to share the same world. It's just that you know they're trying to impose their veganism <laughs> on us, and it's like no, no, no. You know, I live in this world too, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I get it. You know, it's funny because uh, me and um, a friend of mine, he's on this podcast too, um, Eric. Me and him, we always go to those, not even this year, I don't think, but we always go to those um, uh, meat stock up at ASB Stadium. It's like, a, if you're in the slow and slow barbecue, like brisket and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's an owner of a restaurant up there, eh? And he owns a truck that has a um, a massive smoker at the oh, back of it. He sells at Sturgeon's, eh? They're, they're finished. They're finished. Oh, okay. They don't do it anymore. But... There's like a convention every year up at the ASB Stadium. Oh, ASB sh- Showgrounds. Okay. It's called it's called Meatstock, and they have oh, all the yeah, yeah, yeah. all the barbecue mm. people come. My brother-in-law went to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was his gift from his wife, my sister, <laughs> yeah. his wife, and uh, they were talking about it briefly. Yeah, no, I, I was interested in that. I, I didn't get any media coverage on that, so I didn't uh. go, but. Um, it's good. Yeah, it'd be it's interesting good. to go next year because it's a yearly thing, yeah. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they have this year because of the the, the COVID. Uh, they never they cancelled that last year. But I think this year was too hard to organise because um, the thing happened. Yeah. But man, we, we, I went to the first one. Me and Eric went to the first one, and we came out because by then everyone was drunk because yeah. they have bands playing as well, and I think um, Catch a Fire was playing. So. A lot of drunk people at the end of it and walking out. There was a big protest outside all the vegans. <laughs> so what they did, they're all dressed up in like black. They had these black robes with these yeah. white masks. And they were standing there with all these laptops. Open up to everyone that walks past. Yeah. And on the laptop was um, like animals getting killed. Getting killed. And there was the protest. But, you know, when you got a whole bunch of drunk. <laughs> yeah. Drunk kind balangis of, coming yeah. out, you know. You know, really, it's um, not a really good scene. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a really good scene, but it was hilarious. Eh? Just the <laughs> interaction there, but you can imagine the hilarious scene going on. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't want to. You know, I have my own opinions, and um, the vegans have their own. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, not going to fault them at all. I mm. mean. They're probably going to be the largest part of my database. Yeah, they will clients. be. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, each to their own. You know, I, I understand what they're trying to fight for. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, I share a different opinion because of my, you know, my own diets. You know, I mm. like a bit of meat now and then. But um, each to their own, they say. You know, the, did you say earlier in the podcast that you could garnish meat on greens? Well, it's an idea. So, yeah. Um, That's an idea I've never thought about. Instead of having garnish on top of meat, you can just switch it around, have a salad, a decent salad, yeah. with, you know, those little um, croutons and a bit of uh, type of, you know, seasoning or vinaigrette or mm. one of those, uh, what are they called? Uh, dressings. Bits of, dressings. Bits of crispy bacon. Yeah, and then have the crispy bacon, you know, throw on top of the, um, on the salad and that kind of, Transforms that dish from a 
you know, different type of dish rather than the meat being the, the primary sort of <clears throat> centerpiece. Because that was the thing with, with climate change, eh? Trying to slow down the the meat making process with the cows and the yeah. bring off the methane and all that. Ugh. But man, that's because I heard today on the radio. Yeah, I think they because the one the the minister of foreign affairs from India is here tr- tr- trying to make a deal with us, a trade deal, because they need heaps of uh, red meat. Okay, they they want red meat, but I think we're not going to give them. I think there's not a deal there because of the climate change thing. I, from my knowledge, it's kind of interesting why they're actually asking for meat. I mean, don't they worship the cow or something? Yeah. Mama, no, no. yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I mean, it just so why are they asking for red meat? Doesn't make sense <laughs> unless it's for some other reason. But again, I haven't touched on the subject, so I'd probably maybe they're not allowed to kill the cow there. That's why they get the cows uh, from other places. Or maybe when they get the meat, yeah. it, it doesn't look like a cow. Because <laughs> you're right. You're mm. right. You're right about that. Because <clears throat> there's this book by, um, do you know that guy from X-Files? David Duchovny? He's the guy on X-Files? Do, uh, do you remember yeah. X-Files? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that's there. The Agent star. Scully. That, that's the woman. That's oh, the woman. Agent Mulder. Ma- Ma- Agent Mulder. Agent Mulder. So he's written this book called um, Holy Cow. And it's a story about a cow that realizes she's in the, um, uh, she's gonna, about to be killed. Yeah, yeah. She's in the farm. Slaughterhouse. Yeah, she's in the slaughterhouse, yeah. She yeah. realizes that. So she tries to escape. So she wants to escape to India because they worship cows so that she knows she won't get killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a um, cartoon or something. It's a book. Oh, it's, a book. it's a book. So he wanted to make it into a cartoon. But he had this idea of the story and and read a screenplay for the story and try to give it out there, but no one would want to make it. So he said, oh, stuff you on, just write a book. So he read a book, it's called Hello, Holy Cow, and it's about that. It's, it's a funny book because it's a short book too, it's only like 200, 200 pages. But uh, yeah, the, so the cow realizes, because the cow accidentally looks in the farmer's house in the mm. window and sees them watching the, the TV and the TV is showing a slaughterhouse. <laughs> and the cow realizes, shit, I'm in the slaughterhouse. <laughs> oh no. No wonder my mom disappeared. Disappeared, you know? So she realizes she is, so she decides to escape. So she, so when she tells the plan to her mate, yeah, and then the, the plan it leaks, leaks to the pig and the turkey. So they want to come to because the pig doesn't want to die. And the turkey doesn't want to die. So the pig wants to go to Israel and uh, or something like that. And the turkey wants to go somewhere else, but she wants to go to India. So the story is they go on a mission to escape the farm, to get to the airport, jump on the plane and go to these places. <laughs> it's kind of like chicken run. Does <laughs> it? Yeah. It's about chickens that... Um Animated chickens, of course, but uh, set up in a in sort of like a incarcerated, like a chicken pen, and you know the the farmers, the the the, the wife and husband are you know the the uh, bosses sort of thing, and they've got this massive chicken pen that looks like a jailhouse sort of thing, and uh, they try and escape it sort of thing, and uh, they later develop this plane. And they flapped their way out, and they ended up in some sort of, you know, green area sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of looks like the same sort of 
scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Must be. But the, yeah, it's funny because they ended up coming back to the farm in the end because they realized when they end up at these places, yeah, it's 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 bad because they go to Israel and and they get sort of like they don't want to stay there because of the uh, the conflict between the Palestinians and the yeah, yeah. Israelis, Israel. and they get locked and they get they somehow get get into um, what's that part of Israel where the Palestinians live. Um, it's there. Palestine. Yeah, it's it's, it's boarded off, huh? Yeah, yeah. I um, forgot the name of it. But uh, yeah, they get stuck there and they see the horror horror of it all, and then they get kicked out, so they escape that. And then they go to India, and the cows there are weird. Yeah. <laughs> the cows there are too weird, so she feels left out. Yeah. So she decides, oh now let's go back home. So she accepts being. In the slaughterhouse. the slaughterhouse She goes back and Just lives her days Eesh. She sort of accepts it <laughs> But It's kind of weird that A cow Knew that India Was the place to go <laughs> It must be a side part Like um, You know Kind of like Star Wars You know There's a reason why that happened <laughs> <laughs> So yeah now, like, now now that you've mentioned that And I remember I don't know why this Um Minister of India is here asking for red meat. <laughs> I didn't even know he was here. Maybe red lamb or something. Red meat lamb. Maybe lamb. Maybe Hello? it's maybe it's not allowed to be beef. Maybe it has to be can it be lamb? Or does it it's just cow so they can't have beef. Well, red meat is meat that's red, so there's uh, probably be a lot of um Maybe it's beef. lamb. Maybe they want lamb. Is lamb yeah, included in the I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken. Well, the vegans are probably, you know, cringing at us right now. <laughs> Sorry, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, to answer my um my question, like, have you, like, obviously, you know, you get into the the vegan mindset of what you're selling, and mm -hmm. you know more about. You probably can understand where they come from. Yeah, more there. Yeah. I mean, like. But I get what you're saying. Like we live in the same world. Yeah. Don't. For me, the product's there for everyone. Mm. You know, um, what your beliefs and what you be you you want to try and uh, impose on me is, you know, different to the fact that you know I'm here to sell microgreens, and you know some people do actually you know make an emphasize emphasis on their beliefs, and that's that's them. You know, from a customer service perspective, you just got to sit there and listen to it and just say, yes, yes, I get you. You know, you don't want to engage too much because then you start getting into it and, um, you know, you get drawn into um, the, the conflict then. But, um, yeah, for me, um, it's just a kind of doggy dog world sort of thing, you know. It's everyone for themselves or, you know, live together in harmony. You are the one side or the other side sort of thing. Yeah, then... Um that whole conflict between vegans and meat eaters is crack up sometimes. Eh? Like when, when you hear stories overseas, there was this one guy in Canada, he owns a butcher, and he was getting like vegans coming to his butchery and doing protests outside the store. Oh, they were doing it at <coughs> uh, um, uh, UK. They had yeah, a yeah. mass uh, sort of protest at you know the shopping centres. They did it here in St. Luke's Mall. Did you see that? It happened to, a couple of years ago. It, yeah. So they stormed St. Luke's mm. countdown. And they chained, they did the chain across the, the meat aisle. 
did they, you know, did they last long? I don't, I don't think so. What, Security what, probably. What what, 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 what shopping mall? The Saint Luke, Saint Luke's uh, countdown. Oh mate, try that in Mangili. <laughs> <laughs> but that 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 guy in Canada. Props if they do it in Mangri. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'll go vegan if they did it in Mangri. <laughs> but they the the butcher in Canada. Yeah. So he got protests and he was pissed off about it. So the next day, what he did, he put his. He's got his, his front window. Yeah. He put a table in, in the front window and did his butchering deal. So everyone can see, see outside. Yeah. <laughs> that was his, like, payback. That <laughs> could be a, you know, marketing segment as well. It could be seen as, you know, I'm, I'm cutting the meat up in a nice hygienic way. Oh, if you go to the, the Woodstock, they have these, um, these butcher competitions. Like, they go, it's pretty cool. They, um... I think there's different categories, different kind of meat. Yeah. And they have to go up stage. And they're all from different butchers around New, New Zealand. So Steve from Pack and Save. Pack and Save. And, and they show their little sort and of what and they can do with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So they come with a whole animal on their shoulder. Yeah. They come on the stage and they do their, or their, prepping. their thing. They're yeah. prepping. Put the animal on the table and start doing it. So I think they came with a whole lamb. Just hanging off their shoulder, yeah. they came on stage. There was uh, four of them, and they've got they have to present it on the stage, like on their little display. Yeah, and they all got different types of displays and how they mm -hmm. do it. But they have to cut up the meat, and and there's different different displays for different kinds of yeah. um of the meat cuts. So, but it's cool, man. You just watch it and just see. You see how fast they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. and see how like meticulous. How yeah, they yeah, yeah. Get into the yeah, yeah. But they do it so fast. You think, man. He knows he's been done it for mm. ages, you know. But it's an art for me. Yeah, I mean, again, just learning how to do it, you know. After a few tries, you might get it or you might not. <laughs> <laughs> I watched, um, um, I think it's a Slaughterhouse on Wheels sort of thing. Uh, I think it's Home Kill. You know, a guy comes around and um, deals with your, your cows or whatever and then... Um, I think they shoot it, they process it, how they process it, you know, they strip the, they kill it, hang it off, they gut it, you know, right there in your house, and then um, they prep everything and um, cut certain cuts of the meat, and then you've got the whole um, fridge full of beef cuts. So I, that was, I thought that was quite interesting, you know, and this guy working with a knife, you know, just cutting limbs and, you know, just dropping off and, it went from a live animal like five, ten minutes ago <laughs> to this thing that you, you see in the supermarket and say, uh, oh, that looks like a beef, you know, side, yeah, beef yeah. rump. Yeah, yeah. And then it just gets into different cuts and then you get your ribs and it's mm -hmm. just all your, your ribs are right there. And it's like, Fuck. you know, and it's, it's on, with, um, you just Google home kill cow. I think it was what I, and then oh, NZ. Yeah. And it comes up with this real famous, you know, it's got a couple of hundred hits on it, a couple of thousand hits. And uh, you just, it's interesting to see how they process the meat sort of thing. Because you can go, families go halves on a cowie or go like chip yeah. in to buy a real cow and get them to, to cut it up for them, eh? And it comes with all the. Oh, I've heard of uh, families doing it with a pig. Mm. Yeah. So they go halves on a pig and pretty much have the, um, the the cuts and stuff. But yeah, it must happen quite a lot. You know, we're, we're city dwellers, so we just buy it from the supermarket, but out there in the rural areas, eh? Mm. So I'll give you, you know, a couple of fish or a couple of, you know, 
produce for some of your meat sort of thing. <laughs> that doesn't sound right, did it? <laughs> so what have you been up to in the last 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 couple of weeks? What have you been up to? Anything? Um, yeah, no, I've just been battling a lot of mental um, health issues, really. Uh, just coping with the old man. Um, I think it's still mental health week, I think. Well, it's finished. Mm. Nah, it's finished. Mm. But, um, yeah, just trying to battle those demons. But, um, yeah, just, things like this just keep me occupied. Mm -hmm. It keeps me busy. Yeah, because, like I said before, my man passed away in July. Mm. And um, This year? This year, yeah. This year. Really? Yeah. What, what day? Oh, July, first week of July. I forgot the date. Really? Mm. First week. Mm. But he had, he, had, he had cancer for two years. He got diagnosed two years ago. Man, sorry to hear about that, man. Yeah, no, nah, it's, it's um, you know, you know, you know, you know, when, you know, just yesterday, like, my, um, my niece, she posted a photo on uh, on Facebook of her and the moment. Yeah, yeah. When she was a baby. And um for the first time I sort of felt like more than what I felt before. Mm. Like because you know, when because I knew he was sick. We all knew he was sick. Yeah. So, you know, last two years was just trying to spend as much time as we can yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with dad and that. So it was good. It was good, you know. But it was he wasn't meant to be lasting two years. You know, thankful he lasted for two years. But, but um, even when he when when he passed away, because he passed away in his own house, yeah, yeah, in his own bed, with all of us around. You know, oh, wow. we got to see his, his last breath, and you know, even then, you think, man, if that was if that was, that's how he wanted to go. Yeah, and that's the perfect way. You know, the perfect way for him. Not in the hospital. Mm. Not you know at a. That place where they go, but in his own house, in his own bed, and that was cool. And then, you know, straight away, all the family stuff happens, all the, mm, you know, the prep. Father of love is, father stuff, love is yeah. straight away. So you don't really get any time to Learn. process yeah. anything. Nah, yeah, I get you. You know? And it's just straight, two weeks, just boom. Just got to go do all this. Everyone's stressed out, got to do blah, 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 do that, do that. And then even when it's finished, right? We, we bury them, and they're finished, and I still felt the same. You know, until yesterday. Until yesterday, yeah. I see my niece post that photo, and then I just, you know, I just felt it. Like, you know, it's. Fun. What did you feel? I just felt, just, sadder than I ever felt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't feel how I felt yesterday. I didn't feel any of that during the time after he passed away. Well, I guess it's true when they. When they say that, you know, it hits you at different times, sort mm -hmm. of thing. <clears throat> just listening to you is a, just listening to you is a blessing for you to see your dad's, you know, sort of last breath and him mm. passing at his own house. For me, it's quite the opposite, you know. Um, he passed away in the hospital. Um, he had no one around him. Um, when he did pass, the doctors gave us the note, and I was with my mum, and 
I, I love my mom, but I've never really had a big relationship with my mom. My mom's always found, you know, comfort through my siblings. <clears throat> yeah, I came here to talk about microgreens. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now my dad passed away on the fourth of July. And so that's why it's interesting to me to to hear that because I I can really relate sort of thing. Mm. And now I, I think when I saw that photo, it just it just came triggers. Back. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah triggered because mm. I don't think I had that time to think to about mourn. it. Yeah, when yeah, it yeah. Happened. I think you're the oldest, though. Mm. Yeah, so you know you just got to gear up and and just you know lead the family sort of thing. Whereas for me, you know, trying to battle being the eldest and trying to, you know, keep calm for your siblings and your mom because, you know, you've just entered, you're about to enter the fire sale more and you you weren't really taught about it sort of thing. But in that week, you get to learn everything, mm. you know. Um, but when it was happening, you know, like hockeys and family gatherings, it was just like, you know, it just went over your head sort of thing. Mm. You didn't really pay too much attention attention to it yeah because yeah you didn't have time to nah you're always chilling with your cousins and stuff you know mm. it was a good time to catch up with your fans mm. yeah that's the way it is I always because you know I'm like I'm like 44 now so that's a good that's a long time to have your your any one of your your parents with you, you know. I've got mates and friends and cousins that lost their dad or mum like ages ago, you know, when they were young. Or you know, and I can't relate to that. And all, I'm always thankful at a, that my parents were still alive when I was forty, you know. And my, you know, later in life, like yeah. no one, a lot of people don't have that. So I mean, I suppose <clears throat> when you put it in that perspective, it's it's comforting, but you know. On the other spectrum, it's like, you know, there's so much you could have done. You know, for me, it's me battling the shoulda, coulda, woulda sort of scenario, you know. I could have done this, I should have done that, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I forgot that too. Like, yeah, we did have the two years when he got diagnosed, but should I have done more, you know? Should I have went another day in a week, <laughs> in an extra day in a week or things like that but uh yeah it's just i think i think i'm thankful that i'm this old when it happened then if i was younger i, I think it would be different well us elders uh, older siblings you know we get to experience that it's the younger generation like you know my youngest brother you know he's what 25 so that's where what you're talking about, mm. you know, he's going to carry on life for another, I don't know, 30, 40 years, whereas we got to experience it, you know, where we're already over the hill sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think just got to praise God and be thankful and, mm. and that's life. That's yeah, life. I wasn't really a religious man, you know, during my life, but, you know, try... Just, just gotta try, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Now, sorry to hear about your old man. 
Likewise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just surprises me. It's like, wow, same time, same sort of, you know, month. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you did go silent on for a little bit there. Yeah, makes sense. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it's funny how our conversation is like, the deep web, sort of the deep YouTube, you <laughs> kind of talk about one thing and you end up um, talking about aliens and <laughs> and the Bible. <laughs> well, that's the best thing about having no structure for this podcast. Cause, but it's also the hardest thing too. Because for me, I find it hard to start, to start it. Because yeah, yeah. I don't know where to start. But if I come up with something random... I hope I hope it's gonna end up something somewhere random too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get into the nitty gritty, happened before when the the sort of time I, we started the podcast, we had this cool random conversation on, and it ended up to be like five topics. Yeah, yeah. And it took like forty minutes, <clears throat> but the recording button wasn't on. <laughs> <laughs> Is the recording button on? Yeah, on this? that's yeah. all. But so. <laughs> It'll probably be another year before you get oh, me here. Damn. So, or maybe the beers. <laughs> no. Yeah. But yeah, nah, no. it's, it's been a real privilege. I mean, it's the first time I've done this. I mean, I see my cousin do it, um, and she showed me her oh, yeah. little workspace. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, and Tao was like, yeah, this is where the girls do their podcasts. <laughs> so, are they famous? You know, are they, <laughs> How many hits have they got? And, you know, you just start going through all the numbers. And it's mm. like, man, is this worth it? Do you want to get into this sort of buzz? But, mm. you know. I think the secret is, uh, for the, for me anyway, like, what, what I like about this platform is that, you know, it's honest conversation. Yeah. There's no fake. I try I try to be honest as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's why I don't call it the interview because I'm not. You, I'm, I'm giving you me as well. Yeah, I'm giving yeah. the person my opinion. That's pretty cool. It's, it's like a back and forth thing. It's not me asking question, next yeah. question, next question. Like it actually feels <laughs> like I'm just ch chatting with you. As yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. That's how it's supposed to be. And every now and then it'll be like, oh shit, I'm not going to put on the podcast. But the long form of it is the most interesting part because it's it's a thing. It's a thing. Because if you use the if you use the podcast app or whatever you use to listen to your podcast, it's made for a long form, um, long form content. It's yeah, made yeah. for it because it's not like you listen to it for the whole. If you do, if you go for three hours, it's not like you're gonna listen to the God, whole thing in three hours. Yeah. You're gonna be doing stuff. You're gonna be running the car. You're gonna be doing something. But there's also the pause button, you know, and play it next time. Pause, stop. So you can get through an episode maybe a week, you know. So it just allowed the technology allows you to do that. So then it doesn't matter how long it is, because if you think about, do you read a lot of audio books? Do you read a lot of? Do you do audio books? Nah, <coughs> I try not to read. Most of my stuff is just. I'm just watching visual, YouTube. Yeah, because yeah. I got into audio books because me, I love to read. Yeah, but then I find myself not having the time to read. Have you ever heard that saying? Uh, Google it. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's YouTube it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you can YouTube my books too and yeah, read yeah. them for you. But Oh, yeah, yeah, and I've heard that. Yeah, but for me, it's I, I go to audiobooks because it allows me to just listen while I'm doing something. Yeah, yeah. Not sitting down to read, but... I think I tried that with the Bible. 
and just mm. listening to the Bible whilst I was, you know, doing other things. But then, you know, I'm my own worst enemy sort of thing. Why am I doing this if I'm not listening or paying attention sort of thing? It's just meaningless. So mm. I kind of died. But, um, yeah. Because like I said, you know, when I want to do something, 100% concentration on it sort of thing, mm. focus on it. Yeah, I saw it got a um, new new take on the Bible now, eh? Because, I, yeah, I wasn't really... I went to church growing up, but I sort of went one year after the other. Yeah, <laughs> sort of thing. like all of us. You go, eat, you know, you leave the club at Saturday night, Saturday, 15, Sunday morning, yeah, come 5 a.m., go get ready for church, church. 11 a.m. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> Sleep in the church. Yeah. But, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but... Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but but most recently I've I've had like um, let me open that one. But yeah, mostly I've had this new sort of take on on the Bible. No, like these are stories in the Bible that teach you how to live life, because throughout human history, these stories are from what what happened before. And people know from past experience that this is the way to live life. These are all little lessons that yeah. humans have already known from, mm -hmm. from from the start. And if you use science to figure out something, 90% is already in the Bible. Mm. You know? um, uh, I think my take on it is just trying to marry up what we already know in terms of physically mm. and what the Bible says on a spiritual realm sort of thing. So it's just putting the two together. And for me, it's just a guide, you know. Um, how you interpret that guide is, is, is probably what makes you you sort of thing as a Christian or, you know, a practicing Christian. I mean, it says that we're all sinners, so cross took that, you know, but how we handle ourselves going forward is, is probably what the Bible talks about and tries to inspire us, mm -hmm. sort of, in order for us to live a better life and be harmonious towards others, mm. sort of thing. I mean, that's the whole objective is just to try not to destroy each other, sort of thing. Um... So, yeah, no, I, I share the same sort of, you know, unique perspective, you know, just trying to marry up science uh, science and, and, and spiritual yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And uh, for me, one side is just a mental thing, just to keep your faith in, in, and it's all about faith, you know, and what is faith? You know, it's believing in something that you can't see and just holding on to the promise of something that is going to be received in the end of the race sort of thing yeah and because, that's what it is you know when there's times when you know you see crime happening around the world yeah you see bad things happen and even social media you, yeah. hear, you, you hear the trolls and you hear mm -hmm. bad feedback and you hear people that put you down and yeah, yeah. tall poppy syndrome and all that yeah and you you have no faith with mm. humans you know, when you see that yeah. kind of stuff. And especially the people around you, you sort of yeah, like yeah. lose faith in people. Notice how you said around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now, if you, if, now put yourself, you, you're in this focus 
on people and you're on this focus of what's around you. But if you broaden your horizon, so they say, you start to realize that the problems on this little bit of dust is nothing mm. compared to the magnitude of what's around us. I mean, there's this video um, of um, the camera panning out from, I think, America, and it pans out from America to the continent, to the earth, and then it pans out to the moon, sort of where roughly the earth and the size of the moon, the distance, and then it pans out further towards the solar system sort of thing. And then from the solar system, it, sh it pans out to where the solar system is in the, you know, the our star constellation of, I think it's... Milky Way. Pisces? Uh, yeah. It's just a star constellation sort of oh, thing. Yeah. And then the Milky Way yeah. sort of thing. And then it goes out where the Milky Way is, um, you know, theorized to be in the whole universe sort of thing. And then that one universe is in some sort of number of, you know, your distance between what they call the center of, you know, the universe sort of thing. And it just makes you think, wow, you're going out at light speed at the time of, you know, when you're panning out, it's like 15 seconds. And in that 15 seconds, you know, 100 billion years went by that fast in that little clip sort of thing. If you can grasp that sort of um, theory, mm -hmm. then you realize <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. we're that far away yeah. from Earth. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we're worried about, you know, minuscule things, you know, we're worried about things on this, you know, rock sort of thing. And it, to me, when you get to that point and you understand and you get to that sort of level of mentality, you realize, you know, there's everything nothing that we bicker and moan about is nothing you know, compared nothing to the to the whole galaxy mm. sort of thing, you know. And but even me, even mortality, too. Yeah, because we're on, we're only on this earth for a certain amount of time. Percentage, and, which is a not even a blink mm, in in time. Yeah, you know. and then we're gone. And then we're gone. So it makes sense to me, thinking that you're gonna just make the most of it. Yeah, during that small time speck of time that we're here. Yeah, I mean, you know the what scientists theorize about you know, how old the earth is and all that, you know, you just put yourself in that sort of shoe and you say, well, if the earth can survive that long, well, who are we sort of thing, you know? And if we can destroy it that fast, and I'm pretty sure it can rejuvenate itself, it's been here longer than us, any any living being sort of thing. So, you know, it comes down to a, you know, a theory of a life force sort of thing. And again, different sort of, you know, heartbeat sort of thing in the solar system and blah, 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 blah. And for me, it's kind of like, you know, when you broaden your horizons past what we understand and you kind of realize, it's like, man, what we, you know, take for granted here is, is, is just a, not even a blink of an eye sort of thing and the whole time continuum. And so you kind of, you're left asking these questions why do we, you know, exist for this portion of a point, 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 you know, of a second sort of thing in comparison to the rest of the universe sort of thing? You, rem you remind me of that, um, did the, um, the Voyager, Voyager, that satellite that they took off ages ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To just keep on going and they've got like... It's left 
um, it's it's left the solar system for now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's gone past the. Yeah. It's gone Pluto. past Pluto, eh? Yeah. But the, they programmed it to when they passes Pluto, they program programmed it to turn around and take a photo of Earth. Oh. And okay. so there's a photo of just it's just space and all the stars in there. And the stars. And you yeah. see a blue dot. Just a That's blue Earth. Dot. Yeah. That's Earth. So it's like yeah, the the small blue dot. I've seen I've seen a picture where there's the rings of Saturn as it was going. I think they did the same thing when it was just passing Saturn. Something so you got Saturn right there, and then behind it um, is a dot that they said was Earth. But again, for me in my head, I'm calculating well, how long did it take for that to happen? Because I mean, you know, we're all gonna die before. The full circle of, uh, I mean, the full, um, when Saturn reaches its full sort of, turn, you know, rotation around the sun. Mm. You know, it's. I think it takes about um, a couple of hundred years or something like that before it makes a full cycle. So it will be long gone. So it was kind of interesting for me in my head. I was like, well, how did they figure that out? Did they actually you know, follow Saturn just to take that picture sort of thing? Or did they triangulate and mathematically calculated oh by the t by 2020 2020 you know saturn should be here yeah. and you know and the satellite should be here we can take that photo right there otherwise they'll be asking their grandkids to yeah to document I mean, anything <laughs> well from what i understand they use a slingshot sort of motion mm. from one planet to another and they just fire it off and then it swings itself using some sort of pool or something mm. and then it moves to the next sort of closest object that can swing off yeah now that the, these are these are perspectives that sort of teach you where you are in this world you know and and it helps you figure out what you're trying to do or what you could do you know like if you now like you you know i say if you're worried about stuff then look at it in this perspective and and see where you come up with after that you know when i think about people and i and I might lose faith in in people. Yeah. Like, what what I understand now is, if I look to the Bible, right, that I I I, I gain faith again because humans already figured it out problems like this, yeah. you know, and it's all in the Bible. And for me, because I heard about this the science thing called. The Matthew effect. So, 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 the Matthew effect comes from uh, the book of Matthew, but it's, a, it's an actual science thing. It's a scientific theory, and they took the name from the, the book of Matthew because the book of Matthew, I forget what verse it is, but it talks about how success. Um, it talks about cumulative advantage. So, if you if you feel if if you gain a little bit of success, then opportunities will come from that. Yeah. And then if that you grab those opportunities, then you'll get more success, and then more opportunities will come. So it will just be accumulative. So it will start small, but it'll just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you'll get more. You get more and more ad advantage. So. So, it's for example, positive or something, yeah. or or just you get more op opportunities. But it depends on how you take those opportunities. You'll get more op opportunities. So, 
so example is like sports right so if you train more than your teammates then you're going to get a little bit more skills which means your opportunity will be more game time or your coaches will pick you and another coach will pick you and you'll, you'll move up so see that that accumulative advantage will happen it's that that, that principle is for anything like you, you do the work you get more advantage you get more opportunity and they'll just keep going on and on and on so it's not about so if you're sort of like lazy then you won't get any opportunity yeah, yeah, opportunity yeah. won't come your way because mm-hmm. you're not doing anything there's that saying um, you do the mahi you get the rewards yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Th- uh, that's exactly it but see see it takes scientists to figure that out and then and then realize oh fuck it's already in the bible <laughs> let's call it the Matthew effect because it's in the book of Matthew and it, and there's a passage in there I forgot what verse but that's what it talks about so that may, means that humans already figured it out mm. you know I think it's just a book of you know again you know it could be a book of you know um, hidden messages you mm. know how we've interpreted the Bible you know comes in many forms you know there's one side that would talk about the Bible this particular passage in the Bible uh, and will you know um, and interpret that sort of passage or story in a different way that someone else would and I guess that's what's probably hard for some of us or the, the you know the younger generation you know trying to grasp Christianity you know how it's presented to them you know, where it's forced on them, like like us when we were growing up, you know, something in a local, you know, it was always the famous words that your mum and dad always, you know, or mm. it'd be the, the salu or the sevaya on your head, get up, church, sort of thing, and it was just clockwork sort of yeah. thing, you know. He just g- grew up and he just got immune to it, and he was like, well, why am I even going to church? You know, there was no real emphasis on learning it ap- apart from, you know, Sunday school. Um. But yeah, you know, when you start to engage in it, then you start to realize there are different sort of, you know, um, aspects in the Bible that, you know, can help you, you know, progress forward in your life. And it's just up to you on how you Mm. um, interpret those, you know, stories. I mean, I think the main story is, you know, be good and all the... um, the com uh, commandments and all that sort of stuff is like given sort of thing, but you know all the other stories have hidden meaning behind mm-hmm. it, and you just got to get reading to understand it. And if you draw a conclusion that's positive, then you know I think um, the Bible's reached its um, made its point or mm. got you across sort of thing. That is job for you. Yeah, uh, I mean it's not a for me it's. I've seen a lot of, uh, I've heard of a lot of people talk about it and then I go off and I hear other people talk about it. Same sort of story. It draws the same similar sort of, um, uh, what's the word, um, ending sort of thing, conclusion. Um, but it's just come through a different way sort of thing. Um, so I think that's how, I interpret the Bible as that, you know, if you're doing, if you can interpret the Bible um, and have positiveness coming out of it, then, you know, I think, you know, it 
it works for you. Um, and do, I think, do you think you can interpret a negative way as well? Uh, do you think people do? Well, I mean, there's when I when I've read the Bible in, in some parts, you know, I've, I've drawn a conclusion where I well, you know, um, what what brought this about sort of thing why did he choose his disciples and there were a bunch of sinners you know there were thieves there were liars you know but you draw the conclusion and say well maybe this is a parable or some sort of metaphor to say you know that just because you were this doesn't mean you um can change sort of thing you know sort of like you could be the badass on, on earth, kind of like, you know, is, is it Saul? You know, he used to kill, you know, a lot of Christians or something, King Saul or something like that, and he changed his name later on. Um, he became a Christian, you know, and kind of, you know, with time, you know, his good deeds kind of outweighed what he did in the past sort of thing. So, you know, mankind learns to love you. And it kind of draws me to that sort of... Um, that character on Walking Dead, um, that guy off the baseball bat, I can't Negan. Negan, yeah. He yeah. is the most hated <laughs> character, you know, in the beginning where yeah. he smashed up all the main characters. And again, you know, as it progressed forward, he, you know, started to, um, we started to learn about him and we started to know <clears throat> what he was like and why he was like that. And, mm. and then um, it started opening up um, his life and dissecting and taking it to pieces. And then you realize he was just human and... Um, certain factors in his life drew him to what he did and you know him being around positive people um he started to dig deep and realize you know he did wrong and all he could ask for was for forgiveness and you know he actually teamed up with the worst person that that hated him the most mm. and that was the the, the, the partner of, 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 the of asian his, guy. Yeah, yeah yeah of the asian guy and you know that story in itself can can be drawn from the Bible, sort of thing. You mm. know, is there a redemption? Redemption, you know, or forgiveness, mm. sort of thing. You know, it's a hard thing to swallow, and that's something that you know uh, people nowadays is just finds it hard to do. You know, you can say sorry, but sorry is you know a word that doesn't mean anything nowadays. It's just taken mm. for granted. Like you hear it all the time. Oh, sorry then. You know, oh, I'm so sorry, sort of thing. But you don't mean it, sort of thing. And I guess. Just watching that sort of movie, it amalgamates. It's about your actions rather than just saying it, sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that sort of take on the Bible, if you you know actually live it, then you can actually achieve what the Bible is trying to teach you or install in you. And I think that's how it, um, we should all take the Bible, sort of thing. You know, just don't literally take it word for word, but you know, find your own way, sort of yep. thing, in the Bible. Or try to find the meaning of what they're trying yeah. to say. I mean, at the end of the day, what is the meaning of life, they say? <laughs> oh, it's in the Bible somewhere. You just got to figure it out. got to figure it out. Yeah. That Negan take is interesting because it's ironic that he still lived when he got caught because the only reason why he still lived, the only reason why they didn't kill him because they wanted him to suffer. To suffer, yeah. But that was his road to his redemption but actually. the thing is is that he still suffers because he still you know in his mind you know has to carry that cross so so mm. be it to say that you know what he did in the past was 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 wrong you know but in his mind you know he justified it because he was protecting you know x amount of people sort of thing even though that they were 
you know, running life in mm. a bit of a different way. And again, that's an example that you can amalgamate and interpret the Israeli and Palestinians, you know, Palestinians mm. were there. You know, you read the history about that and you kind of think, the same thing. <laughs> the same thing, sort of thing. But, you know, some, you know, it's just happened the other way around. It's like, well, this is our promised land, you know, this is what the Bible says. And then we have to, you know, from an Israeli perspective, it's like, yeah, I agree with you. But then from a Palestinian perspective, it's like, well, I agree with you too because of these reasons. And you just open up a whole can of whoopass on, you, on yourself and you don't know who to take sides with, sort of thing. And that's why, you know, they're at war, you know, for, I don't know, 100 plus years now or something like that you know they're yeah, still yeah. warring at mm. each other you know it's like the irish and the and the protestants uh, protestants and the catholics and yeah, the irish yeah, yeah. versus england mm. the um north korea south yeah. korea now <laughs> yeah. uh, that's see I, I, I always like to think of see both sides of any story yeah. and if i take spirituality out of the bible what i can see from the bible is it's already figured out human nature right because the stories are repeated, repeated in the history over and over again. Because yeah. we either don't learn from history or our human nature just, that's why we repeat it. Because human nature goes that way. You know? Unless we know, and unless we interpreted the Bible, these stories, the way, positively, yeah. we then we won't, probably won't repeat the bad things that happen all the time. I mean, you know, that, that story of the flood, you know, is is is, is a classic. Yeah. You know? Then you watch today's movies, you know, the potential of an asteroid hitting, you know, the sea and then raising the the water level sort of thing. That could potentially be um something that relates to the floods, you know, it might have a might have had um you know, an asteroid hit the earth back mm. in those days and it's gone through the ages and it's changed to like, like Chinese whispers. So I think and it's just, it's gone from an asteroid hitting, you know, the earth to like rain for hundreds of years. Because <laughs> <laughs> then it's just they've rid of our asteroid or something. Is that? They diverted the asteroid just recently. No, no, no. They, um, they collided a, a something at 15,000 kilometers mm. to see if it'll move move yeah because it wasn't going for airfare it wasn't heading to earth anyway no nah, um it's a apparently it's a fragment of a larger asteroid that was you know kind of like a dwarf sort of thing going past mm. and so they slammed i think it was a old satellite or something yeah at 15,000 kilometers an hour what i'm interested in is where was the second camera watching it do that oh, yeah. sort of thing, you know? I mean, tracking, you know, through, you know. Oh, tracking of, where, because they need to measure where yeah. the, traje the tra trajectory is. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, where the trajectory ends <laughs> is where the impact stops mm. sort of thing. You just kind of zoom into those pixels. <laughs> but, yeah. I honestly don't know why they did it, but. I need to read into it, but you know, they. I thought they did it because they wanted to know if they could actually move something that's heading to us. Well, I mean, if that was the case, we're still waiting on an answer, I suppose, because <laughs> yeah. they successfully hit it, but mm. there was no data from it that, you know, the outcome did it move or what? Do you, do you get into all the stuff like, you know, Musk and all that? Do you follow uh, Elon Musk? Yeah. Not heavily, but, you know, he's another great mind, you know? Yeah. Um, 
he's got innovative ideas, you know, trying to make life better. Play, you know, he's on a bigger ball game, trying to make the world better, mm. better place. I'm not where he's at with his underground tunnel in LA. He's trying to solve the traffic problem over there. Oh, okay. I don't know where he's at with that. Um, I haven't heard about it. Anyway, most of um stuff I've heard about is his rocket mm. sort of technology. Does he put a Tesla up in the space thing? Already? Yeah, he he sent a Tesla up into space and he put a like a doll, a mannequin, in the driver's seat. It was a drop top too. Yeah, yeah. And it's like fine, like going in space. Oh, man. <laughs> Some people just have too much money. <laughs> well, I'd like to send something up. No. I've never heard of that, but like that's interesting. I'll look that up tonight. Yeah, he's done some some out of his stuff. He's done that, and then he bought Twitter for a little bit. For a little while I don't, I don't think he owns it anymore I think he wanted to buy it So he can change the rules around it Because he wanted people To not get cancelled So he'll buy Twitter And then put everyone back on That got cancelled Because he believes in free speech And stuff like that But uh Sorry man It's been a pleasure Having you on the podcast Yeah brother. man I really appreciate it Hope you enjoyed yourself No I did <laughs> I was just like man got some seeds that i gotta grow and my wife is probably ringing me <laughs> oh good man uh, but yeah no i really appreciate it and i uh, like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about microgreens and a whole raft of subjects man it was pretty cool i didn't expect that and it was just <laughs> freestyling yeah man it's rawest that's what it's all about man but um so to our listeners where where, where can they find you on social media and where where, where can they see you and and buy some of your beautiful microgreens microgreen um, products. Oh, well, we've got a website called OFE. So www.ofemnz. So um, that's our website. And, uh, it's, it's still under development, but it's got all the the information that you need of how to get a hold of us. Um, we're on um, Facebook, OFE Microgreens, and Instagram. Um, we sell at Huckleberry's Organic Farms. Uh, so there's a, a store out in Newland and Grayland that stock our, our product. Um, we're available at, you know, Oratia Markets, uh, Shed Collective, uh, just near Nola's. So we, we, we sell there at the vegan markets and Parnell Farmer's Market. And we've just joined um, the gastro uh, um the gastro markets out in Parnell as well, which is a collaboration of cafes and and and, and restaurants and and other organic products. And you know that it used to be called the French markets. So there's a lot of um, you know um, cafes, restaurant type sort of. So the alleyway, yeah, back in these heaps of. Ah, it's a car park. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know too much about its history and and stuff, but um, I've met the new manager, uh, Richard Casey. He's a nice man. A really good fella. Uh, so he's offered us uh, some uh, position there. And so we're there. And uh, we just want to try and, you know, work with them to try and promote our product and then, you know, meet our objectives and stuff. Um, we can order online for big, you know, salad dishes and stuff. But, yeah, just give us a bell and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not much of a, a talk about, you know. You just watch my uh, animations come around to... Um, my social medias. Um, Are you going to do some animations? Space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Doing a few... Um, this is for advertising? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
bought doodly for um, a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Animaniacs or something. You know, just a couple of cartoonists. And I want to try and take a take where we're having, you know, characters mm. that uh, explain, you know, uh, our product and and not just for our skewies, but hopefully try and create a um, a platform for uh, our Pacific Islanders mm. and and Maori, you know, hopefully push these out and have little cartoons that's enjoyable to watch, capture their audience, at the same time explain um, uh, our nutrition value within our products and, and get them to try it sort of thing within, you know, a short amount of time. That's that's cool the cartoon thing because I don't know if you, but before he passed away, um, Kobe Bryant, after basketball, he went yeah. into the um film and TV industry. Yeah, yeah. And that's all exactly what he was doing. He he was using cartoons to tell a story on how to be um because you know about the mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. That's his philosophy on yeah. working hard to get what you. The reason why he's the best. Like in his eyes, like how he was a great basketball player, because he used something called the mamba mentality, and that was his way of training harder than anyone else, yeah. working harder than anyone else, being committed to your goal of being the best. But you got to be a beast. What's that called? The, the his one's called the mamba mentality. Mum. The mamba. Mamba mentality. That was his uh, nickname in the basketball court. Oh, okay. The black mamba, the snake, because he's deadly like that. Yeah, yeah. But so he developed this idea called the Mamba mentality while he was playing, and all that is is a blueprint on how to be great like him. What he did, and what he did was you can't even you know what no normal person would do what he did because he's fucking crazy. <laughs> like you know the amount of time he practiced, he practiced overboard, like overboard, like fucking no one in the NBA. Would be have the, his kind of mentality to practice like that. Like, day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, just hours and hours. And and he would like learn. He'll go to, he'll join a, a tap dancing class to get new moves of his footwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But tap dancing because he wanted to. He'll do stuff like that. Yeah, like out of it, out the gate things to improve his game. Lomachenko, I think, did ballet yeah. for a little while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he came back to, he wasn't allowed to um, come back to boxing. I think there's a story or if it's true or not. Mm. He wasn't allowed to come back to boxing until he had his footwork right or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he could control his feet. Yeah. So things like that. Yeah. So after he retired, he had to do a new new career. So he decided to get into the film and TV industry. And what he did was he was making these cartoons and to... These cartoons were stories around his mamba mentality. Ah. So it was sort of an educational yeah. thing to you know help kids like get their goals earlier. So yeah, they remind me of that. That's pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> you know, just one more thing. You know, you know Nola's. Yeah. What's happening there? Do you know any scoop inside scoop there? Because yeah. it's just a. What are they going to build there? I wouldn't be surprised if it's more housing. Yeah. Because what did they do? Did they sell their land or something? I don't know. I wouldn't know. Because um, they, they had that fiery. I didn't even know about that. Oh. Uh, to me, Nola's is a, is, a, is a standpoint where a lot of people in our culture know yeah. where the Opiki Apples yeah. started off. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know anything of that other than... I, I thought it was still open, to be quite honest. Yeah, now it's a big construction site. Sure. Yeah. Uh, news to me, mate. Because... Oh, because where's your RTL one? Around there? Further down. Oh, uh, yeah. So, go past the two roundabouts and then I just go down. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Shout man. I shot man, thanks a lot. Um, make sure you eat these uh, microgreens. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> brother. Yeah. Shout out to